0: of Off The Dome. I am your host, Matt Z. And on today's podcast, I have a very, uh, yeah, it was a very specific topic me and him wanted to talk about today. Uh, I'm meaning to have him back on again. I've had a few uh, episodes with him. His name is Emmett Donnan. And this man can just flat out talk about anything and everything. Every time I talk to him, it's always a fascinating conversation. I'm always leaving this conversation with a different perspective or a different um, idea or just more knowledge about a certain topic, whether it's sports, music, uh, the fashion industry, whatever it is, this man knows it all. Today's podcast, we do talk about wrestling. You know, like good old WWE wrestling. Um, we also go into Japan a bit, but I think we're going to save that for another episode. I uh, kind of touched on it, but we didn't go too much into it. It was mainly about the WWE, which frankly, that's really all I know about. I do not know a fucking thing about J- Japanese wrestling or any, for any matter, professional wrestling that is outside of Canada and the USA. Um, but know, yeah, like I guess I'll keep this short, keep this intro nice and short. I'm sure you guys, already suffer enough listening to me for whatever however long you ever listen to this podcast for Um, but also too I want to say thank you to all the listeners out there I know this has been a very trial and error type podcast and honestly we just kind of do it for shits and giggles while I do it for shits and giggles obviously people coming on here do it for shits and giggles it's a lot of fun Uh, but at the end of the day I will shut up so you guys can enjoy this magnificent podcast that I record with my good buddy, Emmett Donnett. Enjoy.
1: Fuck it right in pussy! I hope you keep
0: me Oh, I will be. Three, two... One, to so take a drink here first. <laughs> I had to make myself a little bit of coffee before this because I knew I had to be wired. Because I knew you were just going to go on one of your rants again. Probably not.
1: I'm going to try. No. Nope. And- nope. nope. Why not?
0: It makes going. it easy when the other person is going on a rant, man.
1: Yeah. Well, if you keep me talking, any like if you keep me like, going, then you you'll probably get a rant at one
0: point or another. Okay. I know you specifically came onto this podcast to discuss pro wrestling,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I have a question for you. I want to start this with a goat debate in basketball, because I know you would be a great person to have a goat debate. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching this series on YouTube where it's um, who's the greatest of all time, and he says, I'm not here to make the decision for you. I'm just here to give you the case for like eight to ten candidates. And I've okay. watched like three or four now. And my perception is completely skewed, you know? Um, So I want to ask you first, who's yours? Like,
1: are we talking like greatest all-around basketball player of all time?
0: Hmm. Like all around. Okay. Should we define the definition of what we think GOAT stands for? Sure. Well, I think it has to do with both on and off the court. So you're talking like,
1: like stuff on the court, but you're talking about stuff on the outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm also talking about the, their influence. You know, like how MJ revolutionized the game, and that's why a lot of people think that he's the GOAT because he made it popular, He made it mainstream. He made the NBA brand make that next level, and that's why I think he's labeled as GOAT, the biggest reason. When, well, like, statistically on paper, player versus player LeBron James is. Mm-hmm. Well...
1: I guess the question on the GOAT debate, like everyone knows the two names that always, always come up. It's always, always, always going to be LeBron and Jordan in the big GOAT debate for like forever until someone comes along that, you know, does the same two things that LeBron and Jordan do. But it's like, in terms of revolutionary basketball players, I mean, one's like, I mean, they, they both fit that bill and on and off the court. I mean, I think Jordan more off the court has been through Jordan brand than it has been during his career. I'm also not a hundred percent aware of like, if he did any you know, charity work throughout his career or anything like that, where I can't speak on that. Cause I know like, I know LeBron has mostly because of the social media age, right? Like whenever mm-hmm. someone of that celebrity status makes any kind of donation or, you know, partners with the charity, it's, it's all, it's, it's everywhere. we in, you know, Jordan, that stuff's been kind of lost through time. So I can't really speak on if Jordan ever did any crazy charity work. But, I mean, it's always those two names come up, and I think it's going to be that debate for a very, very long time.
0: Hmm. And which, who would you pick between the two, LeBron or LeBron? LeBron. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that's nothing – I say that, and I know like a lot of people look at me sideways, but it's never anything against – Jordan, because I, you know, I've always, you know, being a basketball fan, I always understood and knew, um, you know, what Jordan did for the game, you know, um, just the pure absolute, you know, domination that he had through almost two decades, like what he was drafted as a rookie in 85 and played, you know, his best ball from like then till pretty much 1999 to 2000. Mm-hmm. So he pretty much almost ran two decades, but I found a newfound appreciation for Jordan Odyssey because of that uh, last dance series so yeah
0: I agree with you as well too i i my perception is completely different. I think that that documentary did a very good job at showing his influence throughout the game, you know and how he took it from this. Like it was a sport. It was a part. Like it was a part-time job. Not a part-time job, but you know, it was nothing what mm-hmm. it is now. And he was the reason why it made that next step to where it is now. He was that stepping stone. Yeah, you know.
1: And it's just funny. It. Like yeah.
0: the, the only thing that,
1: sorry. Um, the only thing that you can like differ the, the two guys on is pretty much stats. And I think that's where a lot of the argument is, or at least a lot of the, you know, the debates I've had on who's better, LeBron or Jordan. Pretty much all stems. Like everyone's um, argument comes through stats, like uh, both of their statistics. And as I Google it, because obviously I'm not like an NBA statistician. So mm-hmm. I don't really know that's off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know when this was made, but LeBron's in a – I guess I could just probably look up LeBron's stats
0: right now. I I probably yeah i mean he passed jordan though jordan was what like he passed him on a few things mm-hmm. but i think the biggest stat that people talk about though is the championships
1: yeah but i also want to say you know. in lebron's defense if i can say anything like as i just saw like lebron's record in the finals is three and five it's mm-hmm. not uh, it's it's a you know it's a losing record so it, it's not great but in the same breath you know LeBron's been in a bit of a super team era. Like he's been yeah. on a super team. He's tried to build super teams. He's played against super teams. Like Whether people want to admit it or not, that Spurs team that he lost to with Kawhi, and even though like Duncan Ginobili and uh, Tony Parker were all aging, like it's still a super team when you look back at it. Those are four insanely talented guys to have all on the floor. Mm-hmm. So LeBron's playing in a bit of a super team era, in an era where you need... A big star to you know be competitive. So in that case, I think the odds are stacked against them. Like he had to go against that Golden State Warriors dynasty, whether you you know like them or not. He had to go against them three or four times or whatever. So
0: yeah, all in a row as well, too. You know, it's yeah. So like he I never think, really a break. Well, I think that, I think that's the biggest thing too. Do you look at how many NBA finals he took? Because mm-hmm. he just went straight from Miami Heat to then the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he took a Cleveland Cavaliers team that was terrible. Oh yeah. And he one year turned them around into a championship team. And right?
1: Jordan, it just took him a little longer because like as I learned through that documentary, not really knowing much about, you know, Chicago Bulls history is how just how bad they were. Mm-hmm. Just how bad that team was and how um you know just just what a mess that Chicago Bulls franchise was, pretty much, until Jordan came along as literally their savior. And he was rookie of the year, but I don't think he made the playoffs that year. So, you know, no, it took I don't Jordan, think he did. I think it didn't. I don't think, you know, it took Jordan a little longer than LeBron, but.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I, well, I think. I think more transcended.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think LeBron James, he accomplished more with little. I feel like, you know, he he never had, like, with the first Cavaliers team, terrible.
1: Those Cavaliers teams early on in his career, those runs were, I think, a big argument that LeBron can do it without a supporting cast. Mm -hmm. If you were to put LeBron on, you know, whatever team doesn't have a large amount of superstars and just, like, I don't know, like like that. If you put LeBron on that Brooklyn Nets team pre-Kyrie and pre-KD, like he probably could have carried that young, you know, weird mix of guys young and old. Like he probably could have carried that team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, when you're LeBron and you say, you know, like when when he left Cleveland to become, you know, villain LeBron in Miami, like he was carrying those teams for so long and I think he was still pretty young then and you as a young young man, you know, you can't really have all that weight on your shoulders in, you know, the world's mm-hmm. biggest basketball, you know, league. So you know he had a lot to carry, so of course he, he build a, he go to a team with some superstars and try to bring guys in that are going to help him out. He was carrying that team for years, almost mm-hmm. single handedly. Like who was like I always say, like who was he? Like who did he have on his team? Like Zydrunas Ilgauskas, like their center. So like yeah, hundred he, he
0: percent. Yeah, like, no, I think for him leaving was more of a statement towards the um, what you might call it. Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers organization because they were just doing nothing for him. So he eventually said, no, I'm out of here. Right.
1: Yeah. And he, he, I mean, he had to go somewhere. Cause I think when you're a player of that caliber, I think, you know, that you're going to have some sort of, you know, major career ahead of you or I like, got, you know, like LeBron, I don't think ever knew entering the league. He was going to be like this good. Like who knows? <laughs> right. Like maybe Maybe that's what he says in front of the media, or whatever. But I actually
0: totally just forgot my point. Forget it. <laughs> totally just escaped me. <laughs> it's blunt. It's all good. Okay, I, I another question for you with regards to the NBA.
1: But it's my to finish the the way too long-winded answer. Uh, yeah. Definitely, I, my vote is LeBron. But that's I think I got a bit of bias because mm-hmm. I've got I to watch with it. him.
0: Yeah. yeah, I want um, with Tim Duncan and Larry Bird and Kareem abdul jawar Those are three of the ones that I watched on stories of like considering them mm-hmm. as the goats, right? And in all honesty, he made very valuable points for all three, which kinda mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he'll never they'll never get goat consideration. No but I think in my eyes No, I think, you know, and I think in my eyes out of all those players, I think Tim Duncan in like the history of the NBA is the most underrated, underappreciated player.
1: I I think I a hundred like I a hundred percent agree.
0: You know the man won f- five championships, rookie of the year. Um, he won fifteen all defensive teams. I'm just you know,
1: looking right now. Like his yeah, career. like two
0: two finals MVP or two regular season MVPs, three finals MVPs. Like if you look at that alone, and the only thing is too, it's he never averaged a year where it was like the twenty eights and he did the fancy plays and shit. You know. It was no, always was just consistently like 24 points, you know, 24 mm-hmm. and like 15.
1: No, see, Tim Duncan never really had a play style that was going to attract much attention to begin with. He was a very effective in the low post, and he had a good – he was effective from mid-range, right? Like he was never – I mean, he, even though he was, you know, he, he looked like he was a three-times final MVP, two-time NBA, NBA most valuable player. It wasn't like the flash that, you know, or, or anything that, you know, jumped out at you, I guess, about Tim Duncan. It was just how effective he was in his role. He was a great leader. He was, you know, fundamentally pretty much perfect. Mm-hmm. And he led, you know, him in like a, you know, that European, the two, you know, Tony Parker and um, Manu Ginoli. Like it was, you know, those three, but Tim Duncan was, you know, kind of the glue that kept that, those teams all together.
0: Mm. Well, I think, too, even when you look at, like, the Miami Heat and when they'd Wade, Bosch, LeBron, mm-hmm. like, they just had their super team and the Spurs knocked them off. It's like, when you really look at it, you know, like, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, are great players, but, like, they're not, no. you know, the Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh level. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard was still just, like, a de- more of a defensive player, you know, and he was just yeah. finally getting his offense. He's emerging. But, like, Tim Duncan was still the big guy. Oh yeah, you know, and it's crazy how a team that was just full of, you know, one really, really good player, but then a whole bunch of perfect role players, yep, came together to knock off this like super team that people thought was yeah. unstoppable.
1: And that's a really good way of putting it, saying like you had one really, really good player and a bunch of guys who just were perfect at the role that they were given. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not only a testament to the players, but I think that's also a testament to coach pavovic finding 100%. players to draft and, you know, finding guys that excel at their role and, you know, don't work like these super teams are great and they're exciting to watch. And, you know, but at the end of the day, like those, those superstars in your team can only take you so far. Mm. Well, I think and I mean, I, that, that, that can be debunked with, you know, the golden state warriors, but At the same time, it's like, in the Spurs case, it's like a counter-argument. It's like, yeah, you can have a superstar, but if you have a bunch of guys that can't fill a role, then most likely, you know, those superstars are eventually going to gas out. And unfortunately, that normally happens in the finals.
0: Mm. Yeah, because all the pressures kind of gets on to them. All the pressure's on them. You know, they're 100 100 100 games into the season. Mm -hmm. I think, too, what was good for the Spurs, though, is that yeah, Popovich found the players. But I think yeah. Tim Duncan was able to change the style that they were playing. He was able to not just be that one fit player. He was able to change his style and be able to find those open passes, to mm-hmm. be able to do those mid-range shots, to do the low block, you know, to play defense. He was that all-around guy, and that's what you mentioned. He was like, a you know,
1: fantastic floor
0: general, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but anyways, though, I want to get to pro wrestling now. before we go down too big of a two mba wormhole so how did you get into wrestling
1: um um like the first time i watched it
0: yeah like what what was the reason you were just sucked into it now like how old were you
1: um i don't know if i can tell you how old i was because i can't really remember but i can tell you that i got sucked into it because when i was younger it was something that I couldn't watch. My parents wouldn't let me. Mm. So, you know, when you're a young kid, like I, I'm going to, if I had to ballpark it, I'd say anywhere between like seven to nine years old, I guess. When you're told that you can't do something or, you know, you're told no, the your exact reaction as a child is to, you know, do exactly that. Oh,
0: shit. Yeah, you want
1: to rebel. Sorry, I thought my Zoom closed. Oh God.
0: Oh no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, so yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My you mind. just want to so rebel. Yeah. yeah, you want to rebel all the time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I had a friend, my my best friend still, like to this day. He was, you know, WWE was like not a problem
0: at all. So mm-hmm.
1: at the same, you know, so he had all these like wrestling DVDs, like from the WWE at the time. And because he was my best friend, I was always at his house and I'd like beg him to put like put on these like Jeff Hardy, like <laughs> these Jeff Hardy like ladder match no teams. Yeah. Like Mount Hardy and they'd be against um what's his name? They'd go against like John Morrison, like tag oh, teams at the time, I yeah yeah, 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 Oh. John Morrison and Joey Mercury. That was one that was on there. And yeah. that's the one. Joey
0: where- Morrison had like the really flashy pants, eh?
1: Yeah, his character, yeah. he was basically just Jim Morrison from the doors.
0: Yeah, oh, okay.
1: But yeah, like that, the match they had on there it was the one where Joey Mercury busts it, like right, busts his nose so bad that he's just bleeding all over the place. Yep. And then they had the, uh, I think it was the TLC match between the Hardy Boys Edge and, and Edge and Christian, and that's the one where Jeff Hardy gets like speared off the ladder by Edge mm-hmm. while holding the briefcase. Yeah. And see, what's funny is like I can talk WWE like time blue in the face, but I don't watch it anymore. Why is that? Um, I don't think I think the product that they were producing kind of lost its way. Mm-hmm. I, I will give them f- full credit um, for uh, NXT if you know like if you know what NXT is.
0: Yeah, just as I was getting out of WWE, they were coming out with that NXT, like it was the whole first season, so yeah, like, I don't yeah. know if it's changed or not.
1: Oh Yeah, see, NXT, when it was launched, I can't remember what year, it was like early, early 2010s, I'm going to say, I think 2012 is when it started, and it started off as this terrible, 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 like reality type TV show, where they'd get like WWE wrestlers with like, you know, with big names, and they'd like, coach these, you know, these talent, like you know, these new talents in this terrible, like, challenge-based reality show with a little bit of wrestling, and mm-hmm. fans ended up hating it, because mm-hmm. they thought it was just so bad. Like, it's it wasn't even something that they, like, I don't know, it's, it just didn't seem like they cared about this new talent, because, like, I remember I watched the video of, like, guys on that first season, and there was actually some pretty decent wrestlers, and they were wrestling they were doing like obstacle courses and singing challenges like you know what i mean like it was just bad eventually they made uh triple h the like pretty much like the general manager of nxt and he's like instead of making this some goofy game show like let's turn this into something you know where there's actual development where we get actual you know, uh, independent promotion names and we bring them here and we kind of make it our own, our own like show, but mm-hmm. yeah, we, we make it our own show, but it's, you know, mostly for like, it's, it's a farm system.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the word I was looking for. It's like a farm yeah. system. Once Triple H came and he made it into a farm system that brought like the best of the indie talents into one place. However, you know, some indie talents won't budge from, where whatever promotion they're in but it's mm-hmm. once triple h became you know the head of it that's when the wrestling became like that's when nxt became better than wwe
0: oh wow so what the makes? oh sorry
1: oh, okay. sorry. what that's, makes
0: nxt nxt better than wwe
1: um i'm like part of the thing is like, with independent promotions, which I'm sure you know what I mean when I say that, right?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: I don't want to use, like, you know, I might use some, like, stupid technical term and say it too much. I don't want no. you to like, I don't wanna make you feel, like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but...
0: You don't want to make me feel stupid. Kind of. Like, I don't want to <laughs> say it like that. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I don't know, know what, what you mean.
1: Just, like I don't want to, like, say all this slang and then have you go, like, what the fuck was he saying this the entire time? No,
0: no, no, no. I, don't, I don't know what you mean.
1: Okay, so, yeah, like... I, yeah, these indie promotions, um, which can include like huge promotions, like indie promotions, isn't like ran out of like somebody's backyard. Like we're talking like there's indie promotions now that like sell out. Like the one I'm talking about is New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Like they sell out the Tokyo Dome pretty much uh, every pay per view. So I mean, like, yeah. and it's it, it's still considered an indie promotion though. Yeah. But it's in now complete direct competition with uh, WWE and uh, AEW. And AEW is an indie promotion. Wow. But it's got like a full TNT contract and some of the best wrestlers on the planet. So
0: Mm
1: -hmm. what makes NXT better than WWE? I'd say it's roster. Um, WWE doesn't necessarily know how to sign or, or they don't know when to give something up they they don't know when they have when fans have had too much of a good thing
0: yeah it seems like they hold on to the the names of somebody instead of the actual yeah. product itself and getting a yeah. better wrestler you know what i mean and
1: that's something exactly that's what they're doing with the main brands were on smackdown like there's obviously still some guys that you know some names that have been in you know wwe forever that can still wrestle great they like, look at ray mysterio all it took was him to find a you know an opponent with the same athletic level as him to really, you know, totally get his career like a kickstart again.
0: Mm. That was Sin Cara, right?
1: Um, Sin Cara was good, but most recently it's been Adrian Almas. They had a little rivalry, and I mean, Rey Mysterio through Adrian Almas like found his his juice, and now Rey Mysterio's like back in some, you know, he's kind of left the lower mid card that he was in was he was aging. Mm-hmm. And now he's getting you know back into like kind of like a, a you know high middle card main event kind of role again. So oh, wow. they just they just don't know like a, like a good example of them not knowing when to give up a good thing was they did a super show in Saudi Arabia I think it was the second one they did um, they had Undertaker versus Goldberg. Oof. <laughs> so Undertaker like. Everyone knows who The Undertaker is whether you love wrestling or not like mm-hmm. he's just a, he's quite literally a pop culture icon.
0: Yeah. He's like The Rock uh, almost. Yeah, exactly. Everyone know. knows who yeah. The Rock
1: is but if you say The Undertaker everyone knows, you
0: know, it's
1: mm-hmm. everyone knows it's the professional wrestler, right? Yeah. So this happened last year so that would make Triple H is like, you know, I'm googling this. I don't know all this, but Triple, you know, he must have been 54.
0: Mhm.
1: Like, Undertaker's 54 years old. Yeah. Um, And Goldberg is, you know, would have been probably 52 or 53. And, you know, there's some guys that can still do it at that age and older that are still wrestling, guys that are older than them, around the same age that are still, you know, putting on fantastic matches at that age. But it was so bad. I mean, those are just two guys that have Mm. are far past their prime. They were gassing out, like, way early. And it got dangerous towards, like, the middle end of the match because these guys could barely hold each other up. Wow. And they were still going for, like... I remember Goldberg's, like, finishing move is the jackhammer. It's like a modified suplex. It's kind of lame.
0: Mm, but yeah.
1: It's, like, one of those legendary moves. But... He couldn't hold uh, Undertaker up. Looks, looks like when it's like held up, right? Yeah, yeah. So sorry. Um, so he, the move is he holds him up in like a suplex, and then as he's turning down, he kind of just like turns his body and kind of like lands on top.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I know what you mean.
1: Yeah. So it's a lame move, but
0: mm, it's a finisher. You
1: know, going though, so. for a, yeah, he was going for a jackhammer. His, you know, Goldberg was going for his Jackhammer finishing move and he pretty much dropped Undertaker on his head.
0: Oh, yo. I, I, now that you imagine, I've never seen a video of t- Undertaker getting dropped on his head, I think.
1: Yeah, I, th- that was probably the match with Goldberg because like mm-hmm. when I'm going to use this word, you know, in case I have to say it again, like it's called botching a move.
0: Okay, yeah. If a, yeah.
1: If a wrestling move goes wrong, it's called a botch.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, then don't, don't the rest have, like, signals and whatnot if, like, the person's actually hurt?
1: Yeah, in in wrestling, if you see a wrestling referee go down to a, a talent and they throw up an X, um, they throw up an X, that means that means they're fine. And I think if they're good, like, you'll never see it on camera, obviously, because they still want to present it as real, even though, you know, everyone knows it's fake. I've known it's fake since i was seven years old
0: like Mm
1: -hmm. no human can take that amount of punishment and still stand up
0: yeah exactly
1: so you know i've known it's fake since i was seven but that never kind of ruined wrestling for me Mm -hmm. but yeah like i don't know it's just wwe just cannot get rid of old talent the the wrestling um that you see on mondays and fridays from wwe is predictable It's the the matches are too short. They push the same talent down your throat every week. They don't let any you know, and there's no real room for new storylines. There's no real breath of fresh. I mean, occasionally there's a breath of fresh air. Like most recently, it's been the you know the the new character of Bray Wyatt that's been really good. Overall, it's just it's it's such peaks and valleys, but the peaks are not long. It's just disappointing.
0: Well, so I saw a news release from WWE that they signed Ric Flair again. Is that true?
1: Um, all things considered, like as I've seen it, yeah, but I don't think you're going to see Ric Flair in the ring. I really hope not. Yeah, but I don't. I, I heard like something about it being like a lifetime contract, but I don't think knowing Ric Flair's history. With wrestling, he's never been one to stay in the WWE. Like, mm-hmm. although everyone knows, you know, if they know Ric Flair, everyone associates him with the WWE, when really he's. He was never really in the WWE for that long.
0: Well, the thing was, too, he was never, like, super good either in the WWE, was he not? Like, he was a good I wrestler, think but.
1: If, if I remember, like, let me just see, like, he's wrestlers wrestler for 40 years, 40 years, obviously. But I'm just seeing, like, the promotions he was in, just so I can string this all together. Well, he was in WCW forever. Like, I knew that. I'm just so seeing like he, was he ever,
0: like, a championship holder, though? Or? Oh, so many. Was he?
1: Ric Flair is one of the most decorated pro wrestlers of all time. See,
0: see, that was the era I missed, you know, when Ric Flair was really big, because that was – Oh, that's two like like thousand. No, see, that's way before our time. That's even before that, then, eh? Oh well, like yeah, I
1: say like he's been wrestling for forty years.
0: Yeah, see, and when I remember him, he was always just like an average wrestler.
1: Well, yeah, because he was so damn old.
0: <laughs> I guess so. I'm looking at like, it right now.
1: Like, like his best years are obviously when he was in WCW. Damn,
0: 1972. He de- debuted.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, his best years Mm. were when he was a young guy in, like, WCW and uh, NWA. Yeah. Like, that's when he was at his best. That's when he was young. And, and, I mean, the one good thing about Ric Flair is, like, no matter what era you saw him in, he was always Ric Flair on the microphone. Mm -hmm. And Ric Flair is one of the best, you know, he he cuts a promo, you know, one of the best wrestling promos pretty much of all time. Like, Mm -hmm. there's only a few names that come with Ric Flair when it comes to being, you know, a wrestler on the mic, because it's not like, I mean, if you can wrestle your ass off every night, if you want, but the whole, that's like half of it. The other half is making people believe you. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't come from wrestling. Like no matter what you do in the ring, someone or something's done it or is doing it. Right.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So,
1: well, the other half of rest, like for wrestling is being, is talking on the mic.
0: Well, I was going to say that, like, I feel like one of the reasons WWE is having such a hard time getting that superstar and getting it some traction instead of having mm-hmm. recycle old people is because they haven't had that uh, person to step in since, you know, yeah. you know, John Cena and Randy Orton were like, I mean, obviously there's a few others, you know, The Undertaker and whatnot, but like, oh, yeah. hasn't been that person to step up and be like, okay, it's my time. It's this generation's time now.
1: Mhm. And you know, recent, you know, in the last couple of years they they did like they do have some remnants of the guy. Like most recently it, it was uh Seth Rollins, it's been Roman Reigns, which were two guys from the Shield.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um like like Roman Reigns has been kind of their new uh John Cena mold and Roman Reigns actually played on the Eskimos. He was a football
0: player. Mhm. I remember seeing that actually. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, Roman Reigns has been their guy now. Um, Seth Rollins is their guy now. Like, uh, did really
0: they have like, a rival rivalry? These two?
1: Uh they did because when they when the so they were in a tag team when they first debuted out of NXT because when they were called up, mm, yeah, um, they were they were thrown into a tag team called the Shield, mm-hmm. and they were really cool at first because like they came down in like full like bulletproof vests and they were all yeah. black. So, um, what was it? What's the word? Cargo pants, and like like actual military boots and they were all blacked out. Mm. And there's three guys. It was Dean Ambrose, uh, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. Mm. And they were just like a three-man tag team or they could, they could obviously just do doubles too. Right. But you know, they were most of their matches were uh, three-man because and then Seth Rollins uh, turned on the shield in a storyline. He turned on the shield, his tag team to be with the authority, which at the time was like triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And
0: mm-hmm. so he, like the heads on. of the organizations. Yeah. He
1: basically mm-hmm. turned on the shield because at the time in the start, you know, the, the, shield were built up as these like, you know, rebels without cause kind of thing. Or, you know, they, they come down, they just, Beat you know, beat the shit out of people. They like power bomb them through shit. Yeah, and they don't do that to like the top guys. And you know that's how they build up. You know that's how you build someone up, right? You gotta give them a rivalry. You gotta give them a superstar to go against and build up a rivalry, build up a story. Yeah, they did a really good job of doing that with the Shield. But you know, said so that Seth Rollins do a heel turn because you know the authority were the bad guys. The Shield are seen as you know these rebels coming mm. after the authority eventually as the storyline progressed. They weren't just attacking the superstars. They were coming after the, you know, the authority figures of the WWE. And then Seth Rollins turned on them. And then from from the turn Roman Reigns became a huge star, uh, Seth Rollins became a huge star, you know, and then Dean Ambrose isn't with WWE anymore. He was one of the biggest um criticizers of the WWE when he left,
0: probably all the time. Why is that? What did he say about them?
1: I want to actually find a direct quote because now, obviously, it, when, when WWE guys leave the WWE, um, they can't use their ring names that they get in WWE. Oh. Unless it's
0: their actual name. Yes, yeah, so they, they sign the rights over to that name. Yeah, so... Yeah.
1: That's, like I say, unless that's their actual... You know, real name. Um, John Cena's real name is John Cena. Mm-hmm. That's what I think like actually I hope so I'm not just saying that I'm pretty sure it is yeah yeah John Cena yeah so like John Cena will can always be John Cena yeah well, let's say the Undertaker decides oh you know after retirement he goes unless he bought the trademark to the Undertaker which a lot of these you know wrestlers don't do they don't buy trademarks to their own name because I think it has to do with something in a contract mm-hmm. most likely but, like the Undertaker, I think, wanted to go to like New Japan or Ring of Honor or whatever. He, but he couldn't be the Undertaker, which is why, like, when Dean Ambrose left WWE, he couldn't be Dean Ambrose. He had to go back under his name when he was in the Indies.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Still long uh reason yeah that's this still oh okay just see if he has a quote what do you think of
0: from, oh i uh, want to I you. Wanna ask you like listening. cm punks yeah. as well too though after this
1: no, no. You can you can ask me as I'm looking for it. Okay. What,
0: what do you think of CM Punk's departure? Because that was real controversial as well, too. Right. That
1: was yeah. That wasn't. That was like in terms of. I think CM Punk opened the door um, when he did that. The pipe bomb, mm-hmm. uh, as it's known now, as as the pipe bomb promo. Even though it was, you know, it wasn't much of a promo because, you know promos are normally done they're not normally pre-recorded even though sometimes they're not like it just kind of depends on the promo you're cutting but no it's what it was more of it was more of a shoot than a promo and a shoot um is when a wrestler is you know just goes off about something and normally you find shoots in interviews Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so like for example if one wrestler was a really shitty wrestler. And, you know, he goes on an independent interview and he goes, you know, his wrestler sucked. he gives all the reasons why he sucked or whatever. That's a shoot. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, no, he, he really opened the door for a lot of the, you know, these guys that have left and been very vocal about leaving with the pipe bomb promo. And what's scary, to me at least, Mm-hmm. Is when CM Punk, when most part, and that's what's scary. Like he cut that promo in 2012 ish, like maybe twenty thirteen, like somewhere in that in that time, and like all these years later, and he's still kind of not wrong, which is kind of scary.
0: Mm-hmm. What was he standing up for exactly? Because wasn't not like he wasn't getting a shot, or
1: um, what he was doing is. Yeah, um, like, I, I guess like what he was trying to say was, you know, he, it wasn't that he didn't matter. It was just, I think he was fed up with management and I don't think he liked the storyline that he was in, in terms of repeating. So, you know, I think he was just, I think it was just years of frustration built up and just kind of exploding out of a guy who, you know, always kind of had a, a not a, I would say careless attitude, but I don't mean it like, like that. Like I mean, like he just
0: didn't give a shit. Yeah, he spoke his mind, you know. All the time. Yeah, when he wanted to do something, he did it right. Because I know there's other mm-hmm. times with his big like um, rivalry with like Jeff Hardy as well too. You know, that was a huge like. That's when he really blew on the scene. Scene, I feel like you know with his whole Straight Edge versus Jeff Hardy's. Mm-hmm. That was not cool. straight edge, right? He,
1: and that was cool because, you know, CM Punk, you know, what's kind of funny about CM Punk to me is like, he will always go down in people's like greatest wrestlers of all time list. And really he's just not that athletic. And I'm not saying you have to be athletic to be a wrestler. Like mm-hmm. CM Punk, like if, if, if you want to see a good example of what I'm talking about, just look up a CM Punk elbow drop. Yeah. For a while there, he was really, really... Loving the Randy Savage elbow drop. Okay, we're looking up right now. And he just like he, he could not do it. He was just not athletic enough to pull it off. But he kept doing it.
0: Elbow elbow drop?
1: Yeah, like elbow drop. Just like I have a CM Punk elbow drop.
0: And my God. The Macho Man elbow drop? Um, well if it's by
1: CM Punk, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a really terrible elbow drop.
0: Yeah, and they just do like a really good edit, so you don't actually see the contact. They switch cameras oh. at the oh yeah. Of contact. It's like,
1: the one thing is like uh, with with any of these companies is like, although like some of these guys, like especially in the Indies, like they're really taking some hits. Like you can slow stuff down as much as you want. They're taking like some really crazy hits where it's called like it's called bumps. So like a Mm. bump is where you have to take some contact for a move. You have to. Yeah, but you can lessen the.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: You can lessen the pain. Um. Yeah, so like a soup, like just an ordinary suplex, like you're still landing on your back. But, you know, there's things you can do to alleviate just how, you know, how badly you land on your
0: back. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to make sure you have it straight.
1: Tuck your neck in so your head doesn't snap back. Like, you're mm-hmm. just la- – and, like, the, 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 the main thing is you want to land on the the top back part of your back. Yeah. And that's – it's the same thing with, like, stuntmen in Hollywood. They're taught to land on that part of their back
0: because mm-hmm. it hurts less. Yeah.
1: Where in like indie promotion, in like some of these moves, like you really need to like you can cut cam, they cut camera angles to make stuff look more like it lands flush and it lands solid. But like there's a lot of moves WWE indies all over where guys are seriously taking some you know some shots, but obviously they're lessened because you know you're not going to knock someone out for real in a mm-hmm. in an entertainment industry. And I, as much as I think it is you know a, a, a sport. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a sport. It's definitely, it's just, it's entertainment. And yeah. that's why I love it so much where, like, I know for as long as I live, I'm going to be called gay for loving pro wrestling. It's depending just something I've grown up with. Like I watch pro wrestling. I'm going to be called gay. I get it. Mm-hmm. it. It doesn't bother me, but it's like, there was something I saw on it where it's like, you know, uh, where I just watch wrestling to be entertained. It's two things I love, you know, most. I love sports. And I, you know, I love like movies and, you know, drama. And like, and like, it's the same thing where it's like, when I say it's like two things I love, it's sports and basically like short, short movies. Yeah. You know, I would it's describe physical, wrestling, as wrestling as like extension. a... It's everything all in one. Yeah. It's It's sports entertainment and, you know, it's... When you combine those two things and you got guys that are really good at it, for me, it was always something that was hard not to love.
0: I agreed. I feel like it's like, um, I mean, probably not lately. You might feel like this, it, how it's like this, but it's like a shitty Netflix series, you know, and there's like six series too. And you're just like, you don't know why you're watching it, but just after every episode, there's that cliffhanger. And there's that little curiosity and mm-hmm. you, you're you being like, Ooh, what's next? but it's the big thing when you get like emotionally attached to the characters. Yeah. You just don't watch it for the pure entertainment. You watch it because deep down you're making predictions on the, of the outcomes based on what you already know and who you like and the wrestling styles. Like, you know, it's like any type of sport. You kind of just get sucked into the little things, which then extrapolate it.
1: And that's a good way. That's a really good way of putting it where it's like, you do get sucked into like, characters and you find wrestlers you like more and you find you know which kind of wrestling style you like more because there's it's not like complicated but there's like different types of wrestling styles that are more prominent in some parts of the world than others like in japan they love it's called strong style wrestling and that's wrestling that involves a ton of bumps like a ton of actual contact
0: would that be like punches then, or
1: uh, mostly kicks? Okay. Like a lot of the kicks are are really landing a lot more flush than they probably sh- would be in the WWE, mm-hmm. and a lot of knees are landing a lot more flush. And I think in part that's a product of something called anokiism. And without going on a crazy long rant, um, I think it's do Antonio. it. Uh, Antonio Inoki created New Japan Pro Wrestling In the 70s He's basically like the Hulk Hogan of Japan Okay um, Yeah So Antonio Inoki created New Japan Pro Wrestling Somewhere He was kind of sick of pro wrestling And he wanted to mold WWE uh, Like wrestling <clears throat> with a, He wanted to combine with New Japan Because it was wrestling Just pro wrestling for so long He wanted to combine MMA Because he loved MMA He wanted to combine MMA and pro wrestling and he did it and it was terrible because he was having pro wrestlers, some who could fight, some who couldn't fight, fight actual, like kickboxers and mixed martial artists.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And he'd have these guys actually fight. And you know, some wrestlers can fight, but Mm -hmm. some of them can't. They're in an industry of entertainment where – you know they can wrestle, but they can't fight. They can't throw an actual punch because the punches they're taught to throw or have been taught to throw don't connect. Connect. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you're off balance because you're stomping your foot really loudly. Yeah, and...
1: yeah. So it's like it wasn't a good idea. It sucked, but from it birthed kind of a, a different style of wrestling that's been now like now it's like every indie promotion with any sort of name brand does strong style wrestling. It's got a ton of bumps, a ton of crazy spots, which are like moves. So yeah, from Enochism birthed strong style wrestling. So one of the worst things to ever happen to wrestling kind of birthed uh, a really, really my favorite, personal favorite style of
0: wrestling, which is strong style.
1: Hmm. That's my short little rant there.
0: Well, that's super interesting. And that's the style that's in Japan. You're saying now
1: um, it's, it's where it was from Uh strong style wrestling was birthed in Japan, mm-hmm. but you know, like most good things from Japan they make their way out West and you know, the West takes it, it. adopts it, it and puts it in a motion here.
0: Yeah. And it gives a little sprinkle of, of Americanism and democracy <laughs> and freedom. <laughs> well, um, what, do you, what are some other wrestling styles? Like, what other styles are out there?
1: it's I think like in terms of wrestling styles, like I said, um, you got strong style. And, like, there's some guys who do strong style a lot better than others, and there's guys that, you know, probably try strong style and can't.
0: Oh, I think you hit mute. Or oh, wait.
1: it's like different eras believe in different types of wrestling and you can see that from like you can see that because there's like guys like hulk hogan didn't do strong style wrestling they couldn't do it Mm -hmm. but that's because it was a different era and strong style wrestling wasn't really a thing so i guess the the only two that have ever really clashed or like been at odds with each other is the old it's like it's like like when we've talked about hip-hop it's old heads versus new heads and you know there's there's different styles and some guys from the older generation believe that wrestling should be wrestling you know what i mean
0: it, yeah. it shouldn't
1: it, it's the evolution of wrestling that's brought on like flippy shit which is what indie promotions love, indie promotions love to do flippy shit mm-hmm. And like crazy spots and they love to do strunks, you know, these crazy strunks, style wrestling and kicks and no cells. And so here I go with all my jargon and shit. But in the no cells where like old heads believe like, you know, it should be wrestling. It should be like Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, WrestleMania three. Mm-hmm. These good old lock up, hip tosses, nothing too crazy. Just somewhat believable wrestling. Yeah. So, I think it's called shoot wrestling, I, I think.
0: Shoot wrestling?
1: Um, kind of. I think. I don't 100% unless shoot wrestling. I might. I don't know. I don't think I'm right on that. So, don't quote me. But, like, I guess when I say styles, I mean, like, there's, like, personal styles, too. Like, it's not just, like, the two major combatants where it's, like, nat- like old pro wrestling versus new pro wrestling, which is basically strong style wrestling. But there's also, like, high-flying wrestling, which is, like, flippy shit, which which is, has been done for years, but it's been evolved so cr- greatly that it went from, you know, he's a high-flying wrestler to he just does flippy shit if you're an old head, right? you mm-hmm. get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah.
1: So, like, old heads will see a guys as talented as Will Ospreay and, like, guys like Ricochet, and they'll go, oh, he's just doing flippy shit. Mm-hmm when Will Ospreay is one of the craziest athletes in general that I've ever seen, like if he wanted to imply his, like, apply himself to any sort of gymnastic that involves like, like floor gymnastics, he probably could do it. He's like a freak athlete and same with Ricochet and so many other guys that I could mention, but won't mention. Cause it's just, you know, they do do, you know, sorry. Was talking about. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> it's all G, dude. And,
1: you know, there's guys like that and then some guys that praise Hulk Hogan and Ricky Steamboat and see these guys like the be-all and end-all and, Like there's like flippy shit. There's grapplers. There's, you know, brawlers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of people, like, too, are also just lot, really nostalgic, right? It's not they like, think it's better. It's just they miss it.
1: Yeah, even though I'm a Hundred percent new head wrestler because I think everything over time has to you know it has to evolve it has to progress evolve
0: so, or die you know straight yeah, up exactly. yeah
1: exactly and that's how it is for most sports industries they have to evolve or they pretty much don't succeed mm. you see the NBA with you know putting the three point line in and you know the merger of the ABA you evolve you survive you carry on you make money. Yeah, exactly. I think that, honestly, I think from 20, you know, 2012 and on, wrestling has been at a complete peak in terms of talented guys you know, in all different parts of the world doing all different types of wrestling. I think it's at a, it's at a peak in, in like the past five or so years. Mm-hmm. But I, I I also have so much respect for guys from olden eras, from like 80s and so on, because, you know, without these guys, there is no modern industry now. So
0: I think that goes to like NBA as well too, NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you look at 60s basketball, it's not flashy. It's not mm-hmm. anything fun to watch. It's like watching chess. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what old wrestling was as well, too. But I think it's just a lot of people forget to think, though, is that itself was ahead of its time, you know, and it's just evolution. It's just everything evolves, everything gets better, everything gets faster, I think it's stronger. Mm-hmm. And it gets to a point where now, just like the hand to hand combat isn't enough, and people mm-hmm. now need to jump, right? Because that, that's exactly, the next, exactly. that's like, the next thing, right?
1: The way I see it is like there's no Barry Sanders without guys like. Jim Brown, right? Mm-hmm. For me, there's no Will Ospreay if there's no Owen Hart or Randy Savage, or mm-hmm. like there's no, you know, John Cena without Hulk Hogan. So the two go hand in hand, but some people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. um and that goes for a lot of things.
0: Yeah. When it comes to the evolution of the WWE, because I know mm-hmm. they went from. You know, where it's more your stand-up wrestling, and then you got your um, Mick Foley, wasn't that his name? Hmm. Really crazy guy. Like, you got people like that who just will get tossed off hell in the cell. Oh well, yeah,
1: that's another style, like hardcore wrestling. Like there's yeah. a huge, huge audience for hardcore wrestling.
0: Yeah, and that's a huge myself. So I love hardcore wrestling. That shit's fuck. Oh really? And it's see, so me, entertaining, man. You know. And see,
1: for me, I love a good. You know, it's deathmatch, right? Mm. I love me a good deathmatch. I love a good TLC. I love,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I love, like, table spots. You know, whenever weapons get involved, you kind of go, oh, shit. Yeah, so, <laughs> it
0: gets entertaining. Oh, you shit, know, like, like, the you know, chair's getting in the head now.
1: Once, once the chair gets thrown in the ring, you like, like, oh, shit, okay. But at the same time, it's like, as much as I, I love a good death match, um, I'm much more of a fan of just, not when I, just, like, Wrestling in its
0: form, beauty of it.
1: Yeah, like I love. I have so much respect for those guys who can do death matches. Because if you look through the history of death matches, there have been some points where death matches uh, have completely crossed the human limit. Like no person should be doing that with any sort, you know, any any remnant
0: of a brain. Yeah, especially in the entertainment business, you know, mm-hmm. it's barbaric. They,
1: oh, uh, i think like, even now like there was. Okay, so quick, I'm going to quick rant again because I'm going to try and keep these short.
0: Go for it, dude. Take your time.
1: Currently, my favorite promotion going.
0: Okay, wait one second. Just wait. The Young Bucks? Okay, wait, wait. Wait, start over again. You kind of cut out there for a bit.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. I got the, uh, okay. So uh, I'll just start from the rant. Um, Favorite promotion right now is AEW. They're the newest, hottest uh, wrestling promotion out there, but I like it because it was started by indie wrestlers and it was kind of made for indie wrestlers. It was for guys in promotions across the world, not getting, you know, their due or who didn't get their due in the WWE or didn't get their, haven't gotten their due in other promotions. And they brought them all together to create this weird, indie super promotion and now like it's got its own tnt contract it it it's beating wwe in the ratings it's you know uh competing it's new japan which you know japanese people love for wrestling so to say it's competing with new japan like the only thing beating new japan since AEW came along was wwe mm-hmm like that's it. It was. It's. It was. It's been a industry dominated by WWE for so long. So to hear that there's a promotion started, you know, a year ago, pretty much, maybe a little over a year, year ago, that's beating WWE in the ratings. It's it's huge. If you're a wrestling fan, like that's huge. So they're my favorite promotion. They got a, a ton of these indie wrestlers I like. A ton of guys from the WWE that they brought over that I like. And they created a uh, super promotion. So. Hmm. Oh, like, oh my God, I just forgot what I was talking about again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Halfway through that, I was like, wait, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but.
1: Totally.
0: Well, we were talking about just like the evolution and, you know, from like hardcore wrestling to. Uh,
1: oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. Who you. know where I'm going? So they created a super promotion. Anyway, so the guy who, was, who we mentioned before, Dean Ambrose, he left WWE and went to AEW. Okay. Which is huge. That was huge because when he left, he was pretty much at the peak of his popularity in the WWE. He was really, he was climbing with the shield. He was climbing along. He was, had really good singles runs with like feuding with guys like Seth Rollins and feuding with guys, you know, I can't remember his best feuds, but his best feuds was Seth Rollins, his former, you know, shield member. He left at the height of his popularity because he didn't, like what WWE had planned for him. He didn't feel like they were holding up their end of the deal. Yeah. So instead of trying to... Mm-hmm. What they want from their character.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he joined AEW and somewhere down the middle of their road, they had at a pay-per-view, they had uh, a death match. It was him versus Kenny Omega. And like I had mentioned that Kenny Omega is a good Canadian guy. To me, he is probably one, he will go down as one of the best wrestlers of all time. Okay. If we look at accolades, we look at championships, we look what, what he's accomplished. And I know when I say that people like might raise their eyebrows, even because it's all predetermined. But it's pre in New Japan for a reason. Especially mm-hmm. in New Japan. It's not just popularity with fans like it is in WWE. You, if you're popular with fans and you sell merch in the WWE, you get pushed to the very top.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly. in New Japan, they don't really care how many shirts you sell, although that's great. Mm-hmm. They don't, if you play a certain role, they don't want you to be popular even though, you know, that's great if you are, it's the wrestling that counts. Mm-hmm. 100% New Japan, you're pushed to the top based on your ability. Yep. So he went to New Japan, and then AEW came along, they had a death match. And wrestling fans from a modern era saw it and went, this is far too brutal. And like Kenny Omega, as accomplished as he was, like you don't really see him do many death matches. Cause he's such a damn good wrestler mm-hmm. that why would he like, why would he put his body through all that torture when he's just, he can go into a ring against anyone, make them look good. And then still, still prove that he is probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. It was, and i when I say it was brutal, I mean like there are some things in there that I have never seen Unless it's been done in like CZW, which is like a pretty much all hardcore wrestling promotion. ECW? CZW. Oh, okay. Combat Zone Wrestling. But although ECW also had a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't see before, which is obviously Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yes. Yeah. Which was, you know, partnered with the WWE here and there. Mm-hmm. It, well, it was part of the WWE, but it started off as an indie, indie promotion. Oh, kind of okay. With WWE because it got so popular. You know, but yeah, no, like I mean, there was one point in the match where Kenny Omega puts John Moxley, who is Dean Ambrose. We're gonna call him John Moxley now because he's no longer Dean Ambrose. That's his that's his out of ring name that he used to have before it was WWE, John Moxley again. Mm -hmm. He put him in a sharpshooter. So submission move, it's like if you're Canadian at one point in your career or as many points in your career as you want, you have to put someone in a sharpshooter.
0: Yeah, it's it's Br- a Bret Hart. yeah. Bret Hart. Yeah.
1: Bret Hart's finisher.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, the figure it's like, eight. Figure four. Oh, same shit. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> figure four is Ric Flair.
0: Okay. What's the diff?
1: Well, what's the diff? Well, I, I mean, I know the difference, but it's hard to explain through a microphone. You know what I mean? Without, like, a Fair demonstration, enough. but, like, it's hard to Do explain it. how a move works that's a submission without, like, doing it. it or doing it. Like, I don't know how to, like, I don't know.
0: I'll Google it later.
1: Yeah, so, figure four, I guess, if it, when it comes to pressure points, what uh, figure four is all in the knee,
0: mm.
1: and then um, where the sharpshooter's, like, stomach, lower back.
0: Yeah, pulling bottom. you back. Yeah, in quads. Okay. So
1: Kenny and, like the person who's getting the sharpshooter done is on their stomach. Yeah. Where the person who's getting the figure four is sitting. So Kenny Omega puts the sharpshooter on John Moxley, and they went full like hardcore deathmatch because they had fluorescent light tubes, which are like a death match yep. staple.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Kenny like smashed them all on the ground, flipped John Moxley into a sharpshooter in the middle of the ring. So the only way he could get through a rope was if he dragged himself through broken glass to touch the rope. It was tap or crawl through broken glass with your forearms and your stomach to get to the rope to break the submission. So it was that or tap.
0: Oh my God. tap
1: And modern audiences were like, this went too far because at 1.2 Kenny Omega got suplexed by John Moxley onto a bed of barbed wire.
0: Oh, see, yeah.
1: For, I mean, I don't know how real the barbed wire was. Even though it mm-hmm. took them like fifteen to ten minutes to get out because they were pulling themselves out of it. Yeah, but I, I can't say how sharp the barbed wire was, or you know, I can't speak on that. But you know, from a wrestling fan's perspective, you got suplexed onto a barbed wire bed.
0: Regardless, it's gonna hurt.
1: And when I say bed, I don't mean there wasn't a mattress. I mean it was literally a frame on wheels with just barbed wire. That was breaking their fall.
0: Okay, I'm gonna Google this. I'm super intrigued.
1: What's your uh, name? Kenny, what? Kenny, uh, I can send you the clip. Hold uh, on, I'll send it to you. I'll send you highlights. Do it. Oh, I can send you the full match. <laughs> Let's see if I can find highlights.
0: Make it a lot easier. Jeez. Oh, I see the glass photo. I
1: have John Moxley that can drag the grass Hold on, yeah Hold on. I think this is I think this is it what I just sent you, yeah, this is it. It's highlights oh,
0: oh, I see it.
1: Turn down the music, man. The one thing I hate about these highlight packages is like the music from 2014.
0: (laughs) 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 The underrated rock band who never made it.
1: Yeah. It's like the underrated like new metal band that never had a career that they throw over. I just watched. Which part are you at right now?
0: Oh, the whatever. Like what's that black thing on the, like they're at the, oh, you missed the garbage can.
1: So Kenny Omega is the guy in the gray pants with like the yellow.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's mouse traps.
1: Um, yeah, that was a cool spot. And then John Moxie's
0: the big some bitch in the black like jeans. Yeah. Oh well, the thing is too, man. Like when you look at this wrestling, it's not necessarily like the perfect moves where they're landing back first and you know on like safe, secure places oh, no. where it doesn't hurt. Like they're fucking up these moves of the landing like halfway on their head and
1: oh yeah, like this was like in full honesty, like a complete. This was like a really, really good death match in terms of as far as death matches go. Yeah, like when Kenny Omega took that barbed wire broom, and swept it across John Moxie's oh. back, and double stomped it into his face, into his back. Excuse me, like that was insane.
0: Oh, some power bomb. The one dude through the glass, and they oh my oh,
1: I'm telling you, man, like this is like this is and like Kenny. Um, what
0: is he putting in his forehead? <gasps> uh,
1: that's barbed wire baseball bat, I believe. No, that's a spike. I think, I, th- I think another I part
0: you're at. Hold on,
1: are you on, the, are you on the entrance ramp right now?
0: Oh, they just went into the barbed wire. Oh, okay, yeah.
1: I can't. Yeah, you see them getting pulled out.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, and like, and like new
1: audiences saw that match and went like, "No, no, no! Like this is too insane! Like we can't have guys doing this." Or for me, oh. I'm like, <laughs> "Oh."
0: See, those are the matches that I love to watch.
1: Oh yeah, the ones where you just
0: tell that they're just putting all their effort into oh, yeah. it. You know? And
1: that's that's why I like AEW so much is because they have a ton of talent from all over, but because they only have so many matches a night, like the like talent that they're wrestling like, goes all out completely. Mm. Like, yeah, you're not wrestling every week like you would be in WWE. Like you maybe have one match every two weeks.
0: So what are you gonna do to keep pushing yourself to get higher and higher up the card? Yeah, and you know your body has not just like three days essentially to recover. We mm-hmm. have to start training again. It's got like well, week. yeah,
1: they have time to recover and they have time to plan out these really good matches because they have like their like Raw or SmackDown is one show mm. on Wednesday. Yeah. So normally, because of football, now I'm like recording it or work now. I'm recording it, mostly. Mm-hmm, fair I'll enough. I'll get home from something and I'll watch it, which is disappointing. I can't catch it live, but
0: that's okay. Yeah, at the end of the day, as long as you're catching something at this point, man. No yeah, thank God
1: for the modern work. day recorder on the uh, PBR.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so are these these matches are also scripted, essentially, then, eh? The
1: outcomes are predetermined, but John Moxley is... 100% a hundred percent a deathmatch veteran. Mm. So when you're in a deathmatch with a guy like John Moxley, if he tells you to do something, you do it. Yeah. Um, if he says do something to him, you do it. And in a lot of deathmatches, whatever happens, happens.
0: Yeah. yes
1: the outcome is predetermined in a lot of these matches both deathmatch and not deathmatch like obviously all the outcomes are you know the person who's going to win is the person who's going to win or an injury or whatever right yeah but you know a lot of the wrestling that happens in you know in all these promotions is called on the fly most of the time
0: Mm. they obviously have
1: like they have predetermined spots and like moves that happen so Let's say, like, for example, like, okay, um, you're going to take this crazy move I do here. You're going to, then we're going to get up.
0: Yep. And you, whatever happens,
1: like, like you, you set up for the move, the move happens, you get up, and then everything, once again, they figure out on the fly, and then, you know, once again, the cycle starts.
0: Do they, like, talk to each other in the ring, or is it yep. all just, they do?
1: Yep, like the 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 thing is though is like you're not supposed to hear it, you're not supposed to see it, but like if you ask CM Punk if you wrestle with John Cena, everyone's going to know it. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the CM Punk's like biggest critiques on John Cena is that he's too loud in the ring. You can hear and like you can look it up like on YouTube, you can see like like really long videos of wrestlers calling out moves. Okay. And, like, it's really simple. Like, if two guys are laying on the ground for a while, like, one of two things is probably happening. They're taking a breather or <laughs> they're giving each other instructions.
0: Oh, really? So
1: they'll be whispering to each other. They'll be on the ground, like, looking at each other. they if get are on the ground at the same time. They'll be on the ground looking to each other, and they'll be going, like, okay, you're going to get up first. We're going to hit each other. I'm going to, you know, whip you into the corner. You're going to dodge. I'm going to miss. You're going to hit a move. Oh, wow. And they'll get up and they'll do it. And, like, sometimes it's called on the fly. Like, some guys will be, like, punching each other and then they'll go, like, suplex. Boom, gets kicked, suplex. And you can watch the videos of it happening. It's actually really, really cool to see it, like, to hear it actually happen, even though, like, it's kind of a no-no.
0: Yeah. In History. Like, you're not supposed to hear it. So, so I've always There's, wondered yeah. that, like, how they – how they have everything so perfect it seems like all the time you know what i mean like they're super good at planning these fights fights and on the go doing them right
1: like true like professionals like they're they're at the top of their industry for a reason with you know like in in wwe like they're in wwe for a reason whether i want them in wwe or selfishly i want them in like the promotions i like yeah um, like they're there for a reason but like it's interesting to hear like these guys are real professionals and even though th- outcomes are you know predetermined and all the moves are fake a lot of the times like the wrestling you're watching like is very loosely planned
0: well i think too as well as you got to look at their their crazy schedule their crazy lifestyle that they live these
1: guys are on, so the, road.
0: on the road and they need to stay in shape they mm-hmm. need to be up to date you know they need to like it i feel like i can never do that lifestyle i feel like it's such an unnatural it's, lifestyle you do. It's,
1: it's strange like these guys are on the road for 200 to 250 days a year mm-hmm. a lot of these guys have families girlfriends kids you know places they want to be friends they want to see and a lot of the times they don't get to do all that and they're on a the plane quite a bit right or a bus or a road trip or however they get to whatever destination and even these a lot of these young guys have you know families and girlfriends like they want to see those people it's yeah. a weird industry it's a it's a demanding harsh
0: schedule and i don't know i have a lot of respect for those guys yeah no me as well man. i can never do that and even just everything that goes into it man it's crazy real quick
1: can i just like nerd out on kenny omega
0: yeah yeah go for it dude
1: so like i say um Born in – like I'm like – he's not my even my favorite wrestler, but he's probably my favorite wrestler like right now. Mm. I mean, that's – he's like tied. With, yeah. Um, so in indie wrestling, there's a guy by the name of Dave Meltzer. Some people love him. Some people hate him. That's pretty much how it goes with yeah. most you – know, of these like writers and magazine creators for wrestling. But Dave Meltzer is like the, one of the number, you know, he's like one of the two big writers. Like if he gives you a high rating on your match, like that's, that's the be all and end all if you're a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And like he rates his matches out of five. So a five-star match is pretty much perfection. Yeah. And if he gives you a five-star match, like that's something you hang on your wall like behind glass, like it's like a huge deal. Kenny Omega has in the top five matches of all time as rated by Dave Meltzer, all time. Uh, We got one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. All five. All five of Dave Meltzer's top rated matches of all time. He's in all five of them. Wow. As far as I can Nope. He's in one, two, three, yep. Yeah. Yes he is.
0: Wow, he's and that's and like including WWE and all other He's never been to WWE. But like that's including okay. ranking from WWE. W. Every, every,
1: every promotion that he watches, every pay per view he watches, like he is a complete like you think I'm
0: a geek. Like he's an extra geek.
1: He's like like a he's a dork.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the lie <laughs>
1: well, that's funny I I'm a geek man this guy's like a yeah. dork he's a poindexter but like so the number one rated match of all time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Omega wins and he faces Kazuchika Okada Kaz- yeah Kazuchika Okada that match has seven stars out of five
0: is this the highest <laughs> so rated now, one of all time
1: Yeah, so not only did Kenny Omega, not only does he have the greatest wrestling match of all time, he's also beat his rating by two. Um,
0: Okay, so wait, what match was that one against? Did you freeze?
1: And a lot of these match. Oh, did you get any of that? I saw my connection went bad again.
0: No, you froze a bit there.
1: Where did I freeze
0: at? Uh, I asked you what was the match against. Oh.
1: So, yeah, I, sorry, I, I think I said that when I froze. So the match was against Kazuchika Okada. How do you spell that? <laughs> uh, K-A-Z-U. Uh,
0: I got it. I just had to put K in.
1: Okay, yeah. It was a two out of three falls match. So, you know, first to two pins wins.
0: Okay. So first, oh, okay.
1: So it's like, it's a pretty fairly common, like, match type, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So y- y- you understand what I'm saying? So, like, you have to get two pins. You have to beat the guy twice.
0: Yeah, and that's, and that's okay. That's actually so interesting. Like, That'd be cool to watch. I've never seen one of those before.
1: Um, yeah, then his the second greatest match is he faced Kazuchika Okada again, but he lost. Mm-hmm. So you, now we see why the win was so much more monumental as a match. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to go fully geek out into why that match was so good. but um, you Do you
0: want to? No. I want to bore people to death. Okay, I want to ask you about what do you know about the Montreal screw job?
1: Um, I watched the, well, I knew about it, but after I watched the Dark Side of the Ring thing that Vice is doing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: once I watched that, mm, a lot more. <laughs>
0: What was like the whole backstory to it? That like leading into it. Like, do you remember?
1: It kind of revolves around the ego of Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. and the just how the you know Vince McMahon how he went from you know the friendly little announcer in the back, you know the friendly little play by play announcer to the guy in charge, and how that secret was blown.
0: So, we, you know, how did how did Vince McMahon grow? To like be that person
1: the Montreal Screwjob exposed it oh so like with without fans knowledge Vince McMahon was never the chairman and CEO of WWE he was the son of the you know Vince McMahon senior who owned WWF which merged Quick little history lesson. So when wrestling was in its primitive form in like the 70s and 60s, all across the United States, it was, there were promotions, just kind of like how indie promotions work now.
0: Yeah, like Stampede Wrestling.
1: Yeah, but that's how it was in the States. So like it was promotions in Memphis that battled promotions in Promotions in Memphis that went against promotions in New York, and the only way you saw wrestling because of you know television back then was what your area was because it was on locally. Yeah. So, like wrestling in Texas, like because Texas had their own big promotion or multiple big promotions, depending on where you live, that's the wrestling you saw. Yeah. However, when Vince McMahon Sr. came along and he was running WWF on the Eastern Seaboard like Boston and New York and stuff. He went, I got a great idea. Let's merge them all. And he did. <laughs> and that's how the WWF started. Oh. The World Wrestling Federation. Because before yeah. you had like NWA, like Jim Crockett promotions, JCP. Uh, you know, I, said, I think I said NWA. And like, I don't know, all these like mini tiny 1970s wrestling promotions. So we
0: yeah.
1: merged them all into WWF. So he passed away. His, everyone knew his son was the announcer for WWF, Vince McMahon, uh, uh, Jr., which is Vince yeah. McMahon as we know him now.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, his dad was the creator of WWF. But what we didn't know was when his dad died, he assumed control of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. We just knew him as the play-by-play announcer. So backstage, they were planning this match for Bret Hart. Bret Hart was really unhappy in the WWE, uh, WWE, I think at the time, WWE, WWF Yeah you can't, I don't exactly know, no, it would, would have been WWF at that time Still uh, And Shawn Michaels was like The golden boy with the big ego Who got everything he wanted Yeah and I love Shawn Michaels the wrestler But Shawn Michaels the ego As a person, and Shawn Michaels the person I'm not a huge fan of Okay But Shawn Michaels in the ring, I will never take anything away from him He is fantastic
0: yeah, one of the greatest.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Shawn Michaels. The person, in, I guess just the person, because his ego follows him everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's a point where um, uh, Shawn Michaels is meant to put Bret Hart in the sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal because it's very disrespectful to, put, you know, to use a wrestler's finisher
0: on the other wrestler. Especially in Montreal.
1: Yes, especially in Canada, <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. Bret Hart, you know, he's from Calgary. Yeah. The whole Hart family, you know, the, the, the one of wrestling's royal families
0: mm-hmm. is the Hart family. Yeah.
1: So that was a way to create heat, which is like, because Shawn Michaels at the time, I guess, was kind of like the bad guy. Yeah. In that, in that scenario, which is another thing I'm going to say. So there's like heat, which is what a bad, you know, what the bad guy in a wrestling story does to get people to dislike him.
0: Okay, yeah. Bad
1: guy in wrestling is called a heel.
0: The H- bad guy's called a heel? Yes. Oh, okay.
1: It's called heel because in the old days, like they kind of thought like heel was just an ugly part of the body. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So heel is bad guy and then a face is the good guy.
0: Oh, okay. His face
1: is something nice to look at, where heel is something you don't really want to look at. I guess. Yeah,
0: kind of Curb stomping. Curb stomping. The, be- yeah, the yeah. heel's trying to kill the face, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. That's yeah. a good, good way to like remember it. So I think at the time, Shawn Michaels was the heel, because he was in Canada doing the sharpshooter, Bret Hart. That's Bret Hart's move. You're in Canada. However, because of the contract stuff going on with Bret Hart and how bad it was going and how, you know, kind of a dick Brett Hart was being because he wasn't happy with his contract. You hear Vince McMahon as soon as, you know, the, 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 the plan was to not, like Shawn Michaels didn't want to lose. Shawn yeah. Michaels wanted to lose, which, you know, isn't a, it's not, shouldn't be how it works. Yeah. Like, even if you're a great wrestler, like, you got to lose.
0: At some point, yeah.
1: At some point, you gotta lose. Every, you know. But of course, there's like huge egos, and wrestling's a weird business where.
0: Well, know, especially when you can control the outcome as well too, you know. Mhm. Exactly. If it's can- not like if you lose, it's a oh he beat me, he's better than me. It's a damn it, why didn't we change the storyline as well? Yeah,
1: and like Shawn Michaels never wanted to lose in his storylines.
0: Mhm.
1: Doesn't matter where he was, who he was wrestling, he didn't want to lose. So he didn't want to lose to Bret Hart. Yeah. Bret Hart was already unhappy with his contract. So Vince McMahon, because Shawn Michaels went behind his, Bret Hart's back to go to Vince McMahon and say, I'm not losing. Not losing this match. So Vince McMahon sided with Shawn Michaels. As soon as Shawn Michaels puts a shoe on Bret Hart, you can hear, um, you know, the mic cuts out from Vince McMahon, and you can hear Vince McMahon yell in, like, one of the cameras, ring the damn bell Oh, where they made it as brett michael uh brett michaels jesus um (laughs) not the lead singer for poison um um, where brett hart isn't gonna tap to his own move yeah of course he's not he invented you know he invented that move how's he gonna tap
0: to it yeah especially when it was so quick as well too
1: mm -hmm. so but you hear uh vince go ring the damn bell and, like, okay, ding, 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 like, whatever. Vince, you know, the boss, the secret boss, Vince McMahon, told me to ring the bell. Yeah. The bell. And <laughs> Bret Hart <laughs> gets up, and he's like, you know, like, what the fuck? Like, this wasn't in the cards. This wasn't in the story. You know, this wasn't what we agreed upon. So to make an angry man even angrier, you know, a guy who didn't want to be in the WWE, unless something changed for him, like, contractually it pissed him off. So he ended up spitting in Vince McMahon's face from outside the ring and into the camera. He went WCW, which at the time was WWE's biggest rival.
0: Yeah. was going to go there.
1: That was his way of saying like, fuck you guys. I'm out." after spitting in the boss's face and everyone wondered, well, why would you spit in the play by play announcer's face? And then it kind of like it clicked for everybody. Oh! As soon as like he spit in Vince McMahon's face, everyone's like, "What's well, the play-by-play? Wait a minute! Oh. There's something more to Vince McMahon than we've been led to believe." And it kind of exposed Vince McMahon as the guy who's not just the you know the announcer. He's he's the the big hoss. He's the leader of this whole thing, and no one really knew.
0: And he's being mischievous about it as well too
1: yeah well i mean i mean it it would even if but even if he didn't screw over bret hart would we know by now probably
0: oh for sure yeah but
1: i mean without the montreal screw job you don't get any of the stone cold steve austin rivalries although like i'm not like defending Vince mcmahon's you know him screwing over bret hart but, you know, if if Bret Hart doesn't totally go anti-establishment, we don't get any of the really good storylines with Vince McMahon being the bad chairman. How so? Well, because no one knew from the outside, unless you're in like WWF, WWE, you didn't really know that Vince McMahon was the owner of the company. I mean, like I say, you knew him as the announcer. So... If, you know, once Bret Hart exposed Vince McMahon and kind of exposed the WWE as a whole.
0: Sorry, you cut out there again. My <laughs> good? Yeah, okay, wait, go okay. back like 30 seconds. From where? Um, I hate my internet. Oh, you're talking about just how um, I'm a Big big McMahon. Fuck.
1: So, like, we're talking about like without Bret. I'm saying without Bret Hart exposing. Bret- oh
0: yeah, why? Like, it, what? How did him exposing Bret Hart make the storylines like Stone Cold Steve Austin so much better?
1: Um, because like Bret- without it, like there is no. Rise of popularity in Stone Cold down the road, if Vince McMahon is still the play-by-play announcer, he's got no one to have a rivalry with. Because mm-hmm. you know Stone Cold's biggest rivalry is against Vince McMahon. the you know the boss, you know the the just the the worker versus the boss. It's it's classic.
0: Yeah, very classic. So
1: if if Bret Hart doesn't spit in Vince McMahon's face and expose him to the entire world, you know and you no know, one figures out he's the chairman, then he's always just going to be the announcer until he hands it over. Or so at some point makes a decision to change that for himself.
0: Hmm. Right. Was was Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon's beef, was that like fake more so? Or did they actually like hate each other?
1: Pretty fake. They were making a lot of money. Okay. It was, it was the peak of popularity with the WWE. So they are making a ton of money.
0: Yeah. See, I've always wondered that. I wonder, like, okay, like how far does this rivalry actually go? Because you actually hear about times when, like, wrestlers hate the other person.
1: Oh, yeah. It's such you know an ego mean? industry. It's not uncommon to hear, like, wrestlers that dislike other wrestlers. Like, it's such an ego-driven industry at times that, like, like you say, like, you hear about it all the time and you hear about it for a reason. A lot of guys just don't yeah. like each other. But for the sake of making a lot of money and the sake of the business, we'll go out and perform for you. Take yeah, like okay. actors that don't like to work with
0: actors. Yeah, they're still going to do it for millions of dollars.
1: Yeah, when if the money's coming in, they're going to do a big budget movie together. If the money's coming in, they're still going to wrestle each other. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And yeah, a lot of guys don't like each other. It's it's a in some cases it's an ego business,
0: or it's like when teammates come together they didn't like each other. They come together and be like, okay, whatever. Well, exactly. Decide, exactly. At least for a, a season or two.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like
0: the um who's your favorite wrestler and what's like your favorite generation of all time when it comes to like,
1: (laughs) well, like I say, I'm a new guy. So my favorite generation is what's going on right now. Okay. Um, all over the place. There's so many talented guys. There's guys that I wish would leave the WWE. There's guys I wish would leave. Like what I want to see happen, which, you know, selfishly, I want to see AEW become the biggest and best promotion of all time but not because they got a bunch of old WWE talent. It's because they brought indie old WWE guys, guys who were frustrated, like all these great wrestlers all together Mm -hmm. and build up their own promotion. But my favorite area is what's going on right now. And I can can give you a million wrestlers, I can give you a million reasons, but to simplify it, it's because right now it's at its athletic peak, it's – At its talking peak, you know, its promo peak. It's there's a bit of a revolution going on with AEW. Um, NXT is fantastic. Like, there's a rumor that we might get an AEW invasion angle.
0: Hmm. Like, remember by that, what's an invasion angle? Okay,
1: so I'm sure you've seen the logo. Raw is war. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time, WWE was being invaded by ECW and WCW. Okay. So WCW is World Championship Wrestling, and at, the, at a certain point, WCW was really, 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 really popular. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. WWE said, "Yeah, you're a competitor, but let's both make each other a lot of money because
0: mm-hmm.
1: one, it stops any competition, and two, it makes both promotions a lot of money. So in the end, it's a little more beneficial to the WWE. Yeah. So that's the big invasion angle: was WCW guys and ECW guys are coming in and like destroying WWE shows and beating up on WWE wrestlers. Uh, So there's a rumor that because AEW and WWE NXT have shows on the same night that maybe at some point down the road that we could see AEW guys invade NXT and have that kind of angle. Huh, that'd be interesting. And if you look at the indie promotions, which – I, I may, if if you let me, I may go through and tell you why I like these guys and who I think are guys to, like, keep an eye on. Do it. But um, as of right now, it's, you know, that's why. Like, there's just so many good promotions. There's so much talent all over the place. Um, I wish they'd all go to, A, you know, AEW, all the guys I like from all these promotions. But, you know, yeah. You know they're they're in that promotion for a reason. There's yeah. you know still chances they could move, but yeah. But you know the the other part of the question is my favorite wrestler of all time.
0: <laughs> so it's hard.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty. See, yeah. for me, there was
0: like there was like different waves of who's my favorite wrestler. You know, I had my moments of Jeff Hardy who was my number one-oh. Yeah. Right? And you know, like with the Randy Orton-John Cena rivalry? Yeah. Like, I used to hate Randy Orton. <laughs> you know, like, I wasn't like the biggest fan of John Cena, but I used to hate Randy Orton. But now it's like nowadays, <laughs> I love Randy Orton. Like, Randy Orton's a fucking badass guy. You know what I mean? He's always been really, really cool. Like, he's been such a good wrestler holy shit he's he's
1: still doing it
0: like yeah. he's,
1: he had, like he was just at wrestlemania against edge who made a comeback from his neck injuries
0: and stuff oh, that's right edge was back
1: yeah so um yeah no randy orton has been you know he's played the same character for a very you know very long time like the viper or whatever yeah
0: the character. assassin
1: yeah the the apex predator of the wwe or whatever he's been playing that character forever but it's so good
0: that, and it's just so him and it's just so his style.
1: Oh yeah. Like everything about it, I don't know if anyone else could do.
0: No. And I it's really, like like he popularized like that RKO. Like, you know, yeah. that's like oh. that's like such a cool Yeah, and
1: what's funny is like that's not even his move. mm Like that 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 the RKO was not he didn't invent the move. He wasn't the first guy to do it. There were guys doing it in WWE before him. Mm-hmm. But he made it so much different.
0: He made it his.
1: Yeah, because he like the way that it's called. The, it's called the cutter. Okay. That's what that move is called. That the RKO is in, in wrestling is called a cutter. Okay. Um, guys were doing the cutter long before and after, but he added his own little twist on it, where um, he was he wasn't just doing it from a setup like one setup like other guys were, like uh, Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, he uh-huh. does the cutter. But he always did it standing. Like Randy Orton did it where he's going to catch you anywhere with it. Yeah. You, there's always that back of the head where all of a sudden, uh, you know, rko out of nowhere, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I think with him, you would be like half tired. You think he's down, but then all of a sudden he just Steps gets up energy and yeah. does it, right? <laughs> or when somebody's jumping off the top rope, I've seen of RKO off the top rope.
1: Watch, it's like a six-second clip. When you get a chance, watch Randy Orton RKO a wrestler at the time called Evan Bourne
0: E O like Evan like E O U R N E. Yeah, yeah, Evan Bourne. What happened to him, man? Um, he had some. He had a backflip bull thing, right? That was the was move. That, yeah, RKO. was that? Like his backflip move.
1: Oh, the airborne.
0: Yeah. Shooting yeah. star
1: points. Yeah. Oh, okay. think what, he was so cool. I loved him as a as a young guy. He was so. cool.
0: He reminded me of the. Um, but he's part Pokemon of that catcher, you know.
1: He's part of that flippy shit era that I was talking.
0: Exactly. about. Exactly, he though. was one of like the. Not, I mean, Ray Mysterio was kind of like the first one in.
1: One of the one of the first biggest cruiserweights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I think Evan Bourne was just those. Offsets of Ray Mysterio in a way that were trying to they were trying to find somebody to kind of fill Rey Mysterio's void there. I know they got he was, the he was, Ray Mysterio was still wrestling, then. but he wasn't big though. You know what I mean?
1: No, uh, the problem with Evan Bourne is like when when you're a guy, th- this is a problem with guys in WWE where they should probably just stick to indie promotions. And Evan Bourne is a really good example of a guy who probably should have never went to the WWE.
0: How so? Because.
1: Um he, he I'm gonna call him by his his indie name now because his his indie name is Matt Seidel. Uh or Matt Seidel, just depending on how you pronounce things. So I say Matt Seidel. Yeah. Um he has all the talent in the world. Like I say, he's a freak athlete, he's super fast, he's mm-hmm. a really talented guy, but he has no character.
0: He's very quiet.
1: Well, yeah, like his thing was like he still doesn't really have a character like I just watched him wrestle one of my favorite wrestlers like a couple months ago yeah and like he still doesn't have a character really like he's like he's always been like this big thing was like the peace sign
0: yeah and that was it but, like his character wasn't
1: like a hippie or like some guy was trying to preach peace to wrestlers he's just peace like like he has no character
0: yeah he was never like guys, on the bike either right
1: guys, yeah exactly like guys who are super talented don't have a character, don't thrive in the WWE because you can only do so much with a guy with a lot of talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At some point you need to have a character that, you know, takes you somewhere.
0: Well, that's, a, right? that's, that's like, what John, sets apart yeah. the,
1: like just for like a base example, like John Cena, you know, all things aside, cause I'm not a huge John Cena fan. Um, all things aside, like, I mean John Cena is its own character
0: yeah like he mastered it he, he gave the people what they wanted to see I think that's one of the reasons like Randy Orton will never be as big as he is is because he doesn't have that very well,
1: out- no he created his own character because they were kind of struggling with him when he was young yeah first they wanted him to be because uh, his dad was a really really uh, popular pro wrestler early yeah. on yeah. Uh, cowboy Bob Orton and, uh they like they wanted him to be Bob Orton's son that was his his first character and it was like okay
0: yeah with <laughs> like, his little spiked right. up hair there at the front
1: yeah 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 it was like okay like whatever like in Bob Orton's son woohoo a lot of people don't even know who Bob Orton is at that point
0: yeah um it's been a lot of years really he was bad. he was like an OG
1: yeah quite literally like with like uh, what's his name so it was Stanton. So the handstand or something—I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you say, an OG of the wrestling business, and then they went, "Wait a minute! Like, he, he's got he's got some talent. Let's give him a shot." So they put him. I think it was called. I can't. Remember, it was Evolution or it was something. Because uh, I remember he led his own stable. Yeah. And then, but he was in one. Yeah, he was in Evolution, which was a team of Randy Orton, Ric Flair, who was when he was in WWE, Mm -hmm. Triple H, and Batista.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: So, like, they were, like,
0: really, really, really big. Yeah, and And he was, like, 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 that little young protégé then. mm -hmm,
1: He was their protégé, exactly. That's what they had Randy Orton as, and he got – that's, like, a push. A push in wrestling is, like, you have a lot of success – doing something or having your characters blowing up. So they push you to the top Mm -hmm. push, but then he went on to lead his own. That was his first big push. Then he went on to lead his own promotion when he was, you know, when he became like the apex predator Randy Orton, which is the one that he's been for so long. But like the apex predator is a character. It's this super intense, like 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 they call him the Viper because it's like, He's, I guess, he like acts like a snake would in the wild.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, slithers
1: around, and you know, it doesn't really care about anything else, and it acts on its own accord and on its own time, and
0: just strikes whenever.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the viper, the apex predator, like that. Randy, that he's been for so long, but he led a group of guys who were also famous wrestlers' sons. That was kind of cool, and that was Cody Rhodes, who is the son of Dusty Rhodes. And Ted DiBiase Jr., son of Ted DiBiase.
0: Million Dollar Man.
1: Yes, the son of uh, – Ted DiBiase wasn't a great uh, professor, but he had a lot of success in WWE.
0: Yeah. He He
1: had a good character. He's just a Million Dollar Man's kid. Like, he wasn't anything special, but he got pushed a lot because he was a Million Dollar Man's kid. Like, he wasn't terrible, good but not
0: great kind of thing. Well, his character is really... Because he would always come in in big, long limousines, right? Longhorns that on was
1: Well, that was more his dad. Uh, it was kind of funny. Like, his dad, the Million Dollar Man, was like... Million Dollar Man was like... This is like... He's like 80s wrestling, Hulk Hogan era kind of stuff. Yeah. But I love the Million Dollar Man. He is really... He's a really... Still to this day, he's like top 10, you know, heel of all time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, Like... <laughs> He, actually, you know who Rob Van Dam is? Yeah, I do. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. He's one of the wrestlers with Jeff Hardy and Rey Mysterio that got me into wrestling. It was like my big three first loves of pro wrestling. He's a
0: high-fire, right?
1: Yeah, he was kind of, he was an ECW guy who got a lot of success in WWE because fans loved him. Mm-hmm. But, like, they loved him because he was a really good wrestler and a really, like, cool guy in and out of the ring. Yep. Um...
0: I think he's, he's
1: the first person to hold the ECW championship and the WWE championship at the same time. Oh, wow. First and only guy to ever do that. So, yeah, he was quite popular. Um, uh, Rob Van Dam, what, hold on. Let me just think. Where was I? I got off track there for a minute.
0: So Million Dollar Man and Rob Van Dam. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, Rob Van Dam. Like, when um, Million Dollar Man was at his peak – he, uh, he got like a 13 or 12-year-old Rob Van Dam to kiss his feet for $100 just to prove how rich he was. And like one of the it's, – it's kind of a, a dark spot in wrestling history because of the Million Dollar Man, but, you know, different era, different time. Um, by pure coincidence, the Million Dollar Man was out there with his, uh, his butler, Virgil. Was quite uh, went on to his own little wrestling success as Virgil, the character, the million dollar man's like butler and chauffeur and whatever. Um, he said he'd pay a kid $500 if he could bounce a basketball 15 times. He let the kid get to 14 and kick the basketball from his hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like, like old, like bad guy moves. Oh, yeah. Where well, it's evolved now a little bit, but like that's like classic. Oh and yeah, that's was, just like, been- he'd always yeah. brag about how rich he was and all this money he had, and how when he won the WWE championship, he had enough money, or he got a solid gold belt with diamonds all in it. And oh my god! But cool. yeah. his yeah. kid came in and he had, you know, a good chunk of his dad's talent, but zero of his personality.
0: Mm, yeah, um, that makes he so much. Pushed a
1: lot because he was in a really good tag team with Cody Rhodes, and then he got linked up with Randy Orton. So, I mean, it, he had a pretty good career, all things considered. I think now he's in like working full time in the training center for them. So, he's
0: doing well. I mean, well, it's not bad, honestly. He's mm-hmm. sure still involved. Um, what do you think is the greatest rivalry of all time, or some of the few greatest rivalries of all time? <laughs>
1: Okay, I don't know all of them, but like I'm gonna Google some so I make sure I'm not missing anything important.
0: That's fair. But
1: off the top of my head, because I'm a newbie, like a like a new head for wrestling, uh, Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega is high on my list.
0: Okay, fair, and that's and the that's one. one that's, that's the seven point five.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the yeah, one that seven point five six point two five. Yeah, and like uh, over five.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I'll definitely have to look into those two.
1: Hold on. Let me just find like what their matches are rated against each other. Yeah. Uh, seven six point two five. Um, six and then six. Wow. So all of, all, all of their matches together broke the like the the five star scale. Wow. So that is insanely high on.
0: Mm, that's insane. That's. A-
1: uh, flair rick flair and ricky steamboat is up there
0: hmm. see i never i never was on to that one and that's my thing i i came in i understand some of the 19 early, the late 1990s
1: mm-hmm.
0: but like my time frame was just like the 2000s oh yeah and
1: that's fair and like, like know,
0: that yeah. was my era of like wwe and then from here and there i picked up other shit as well mm-hmm. too you know, I picked up names, and I picked up a few rivalries from before that as well, too. But like,
1: um, and like for me, I I have it um, pretty good because, um, my dad watched you know Stampede wrestling, mm-hmm. and he watched WWF, and he watched. So I've got to see all of that stuff through him, and I've got to see all the new stuff through me. Yeah, which is why I'm like I'm kind of one of the fortunate ones.
0: Well, didn't the Hart family used to do Stampede Wrestling?
1: Yeah, it was it was uh, their dad's promotion. Was, yeah, I forget their their dad's name. It was Stu Hart,
0: I think. Stu Hart sounds right. Yeah, I
1: think that sounds right to me. Um, it was his promotion.
0: Yeah, hmm. so- and. I know- I think Andre the Giant fought a few times for the Stampede Wrestling, or at least a few yeah,
1: times. That's how those promotions worked in the 70s, like I was saying. Like wrestlers could go all over the country and all these different And promotions. fight each other. Andre the Giant, I think he was up here, I think, once or twice. Like He was pretty popular in the States, and he was kind of like – before the you know the WWF came along, he was kind of almost like a circus attraction.
0: Exactly. So he was so he big him. and strong and freakish. Well, he's
1: one of the like, – <laughs> Like, guys who, like, they did a university study on him when he was alive. Yeah. And, like, the department head of evolution said, like, this is quite literally a modern-day miracle. Wow. Like, this is someone who, you know, we can't say doesn't belong, but, like, in terms of evolution, like, doesn't make sense.
0: Seven foot four, 520 pounds. When you just look at him, he just looks like a... He doesn't look like a normal human so, being. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that's in part because he did. Like, this is gonna sound bad. Now that you just said that, yeah, <laughs> but he did have a condition. Huh, fair. He,
0: what was the condition?
1: They, the exact opposite of dwarfism. Oh, I mean, it's literally called gigantism.
0: Oh, I thought it was something bad. <laughs> no, no. See, no, right no, here, though, I mean, gigantism.
1: Yeah, and he he had that, but normally people with gigantism don't live very long, where Andre lived a pretty full life, all things considered, because I saw a TSN. TSN's been doing some documentaries, some of them wrestling, like Engraved on the Nation. That was the Canadian ones. Yeah. They did one on Kenny Omega, but recently they did a really good one on Andre the Giant. And Is he Canadian? Uh no, but like they just did a okay. random documentary okay, on okay. Zion, and like they basically said like he was a guy who is you know in a world that wasn't really fit for a guy of his size.
0: Mm. And like Oh he was he, born in France. Yeah, yes. I know what you mean. Yeah.
1: Like he was in a world that was, you know, a little too small for him. For but sure. Kind of sad at some points too, because he was not the happiest person at times. He felt like he didn't belong among like the normal size people like he said because he had a best friend who they you know was his handler and made sure he had everything he wanted and yeah you know could go anywhere that he wanted but because he was so popular like there was points where under the giant was more popular than hulk hogan
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and, uh, like his handler said like there were points in Andre.
0: <laughs> uh oh I hear you now Yeah I know where'd you lose me um, Handler
1: Yeah wait when Was Handler said or he had a Handler
0: The said part
1: Oh his Handler said that he would give up his Fortune and fame For being a normal size just for one day Really Yeah like he was, he was yeah. quite Self conscious
0: Mm. Make, it makes sense though when you like you born something like that
1: yeah no and it makes sense but it's like it's sad because like very sad there's a guy who's you know the one of the most the, probably the, at the time the most popular wrestler on the planet all the money alcohol food drink women
0: all, like everything the ultimate lifestyle
1: want. the ultimate lifestyle that you know any celebrity would dream of all the money all the drink all the food all the female like everything like that and you would give it all up just to be like six feet and 100 you know 190 pounds like yeah
0: well a lot, a lot of people say that's why michael jordan quit right? and they kind of shows in the documentary as well too i didn't finish it that's why oh okay well but it's like, like i think dude. just anybody who has that popular mm-hmm. at some point they're gonna be like this. Is it just catches so up bad. to you yeah and I mean, it's it just so well, like i just want to be by myself even if it's just for a week
1: yeah and it kind of caught up it catches up to you, and it really caught up to Andre, which is kind of interesting to see mm-hmm. super ch- what I didn't know because i didn't you know I didn't really see it was how bad his mobility got towards the end of his wrestling
0: career Oh really, because of it
1: well, because of his condition, like he had so many surgeries on his back and his knees and his neck and like all over when he had his most famous match. As they showed in that documentary, he was barely moving. Really? Yeah, he was barely moving that entire match. He was basically holding on to the ring ropes to s- stand up.
0: Who's this against? Hulk Hogan. Uh... That would be
1: like the iconic uh, wrestling moment where Hulk Hogan slams under the giant.
0: Oh, that match.
1: Yes, that, that was like, I mean, that's his most famous match. and I mean, mm-hmm. he lost. Yeah. And what's funny is when Hulk Hogan was talking about it, is he was saying that Andre called everything on the fly.
0: Andre told him to do it.
1: Andre told him to slam him, which was like very rare. Because Andre um, was a guy who didn't, you know, he uh, he didn't really talk about what he wanted to do before the match. It wasn't really his thing. He liked to drink wine and play cards before a match. And like smoke and what whatnot, because he's yeah. a French guy. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't really talk about. Uh, yeah, exactly. He didn't like like to talk about what he wanted to do. So it's like that WrestleMania three yeah. was when what happened. I just want to see the crowd. How big like, it was? Uh, yeah, it was quite insane. As far as ninety three thousand people. What? It's a record attendance at the time.
0: No way, holy... It was in
1: Michigan. 93,173 people were in the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan for WrestleMania three.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah, so this is like Hulk Hogan, one of the biggest matches of his career. So
0: why? Oh, I guess it was relatively established at the WWF when they came out with WrestleMania then, eh?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, they were. They didn't have like WrestleMania came a little bit further down the line from when WWF was created. Yeah, it was like WWF for a few years, and then Vince McMahon had this crazy idea where it was like, "Let's do WrestleMania. Let's have like a bunch of big little shows along the way,
0: mm-hmm. it was like episode, so like a like playoffs kind of."
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the biggest, like like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, you know, because it's fighting, and it's you know at the time everyone thought it was real. There's like prelims and stuff, right? Like it makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um,
0: well, yeah. yeah so when you like, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, when you yeah, look at WrestleMania right. two forty thousand, mm-hmm. WrestleMania mm-hmm. one was fourteen thousand.
1: Yeah. So like it was. Best wrestler on the planet, mm-hmm. and Andre the Giant not far behind. And not oh my god, mm-hmm. can you still hear me? me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can. Actually, yeah, yeah, you're good. I was like, I keep see, sometimes I see on my computer, I just stop, so I don't have
0: to. Oh no, no, you're good.
1: But like Hulk Hogan's like the biggest, thing I say, the biggest person in the industry.
0: Yeah, it's
1: because of him that the you know the attendance rose so much. A lot yeah. of that attendance was for Andre, but like like I was saying, like, this is the biggest match of Hulk's career.
0: Pretty much mm-hmm. yeah like when you look at Wrestlemania 1 it was the main event was Randy Savage versus um, Ricky Steamboat
1: no oh
0: sorry Junk, Junkyard Dog and Randy Savage sorry I missed that okay but then Hulk Hogan was just the undercard and then yeah. Wrestlemania 2 he was
1: uh, King Kong Bundy
0: right Uh, Rowdy or no the world Wrestlemania 2 is yeah yeah
1: yeah, WrestleMania 2 was Hogan, but he was in the main event. Mm-hmm. And then Hulk Hogan was with Mr. T in WrestleMania 1, which was big.
0: Yeah, that like, was huge.
1: I think this is like the height of Mr. T's popularity, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, you know, he's like the megastar in the WrestleMania 3. It's, you know, Andre Hogan. And because they turned Andre into a bad guy. Oh, really? Like Andre was always the good guy for like depending on what promotion he was in, he was a he was a bad guy or a good guy. Yeah. But normally because of his extreme size, he was a bad guy. Oh no could so he beat him. He was gonna guy. beat the seven foot tall, five hundred pound,
0: you know. Yeah. Is the it's the big show world. still wrestling?
1: He, he's part timer. You uh, know what I mean? Here and his there? knees are his knees aren't very good. Uh fuck, fair enough. But He's got a reality, no, not a reality show. He's got a children's show out now. Huh. Like, like a modern family, but for a bit younger of an age group. Interesting. It looks really kind of cute, to be honest. Like, it sounds <laughs> weird. It looks like a
0: nice family show. Yeah, yeah, one that you'll... It's a big show. show.
1: It's kind of it's like, it looks like a nice family show that you get your young kids to sit around and watch. Like it, it's, it's cool.
0: It's not bad, actually. It's a good idea for a show. Those those are ones that aren't around too much anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's a good little
0: idea it's for a show. and whatnot, for sure
1: yeah so, yeah, so, like I was saying, like it's well, I feel like I've been on this point forever, but it's been like the biggest match of Hogan's career, and Andre's telling him what he wants <laughs> he never really did, yeah, so and I mean andre can't can't move at this point, he's basically
0: immobile, that's probably one of the reasons why he's telling him what to do because he doesn't know what mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
1: like but like now it's like now more than ever, like Hulk's terrified, and Hulk wrote out this plan the night before because he's like. I need to know what i'm doing yeah like i i don't you know i trust andre because we've been professionals and friends for so long even though in the storyline he's a bad guy Mm -hmm. he's got the really bad manager like the bed like the best bad guy manager going at the time uh bobby the brain heenan and hulk hogan's all alone oh because andre and him were friends and andre was a good guy but now he's a bad guy. Now he didn't like Hulk. He wants the spotlight. He's sick of Hulk having the spotlight after he's had the spotlight for so long. Yeah. So now, it's, you know, you took my spot, you know, you took my spotlight, you took my spotlight and I want it back. And, you know, with Bobby, the brain, Bobby, the brain, Heenan could do a lot of the talking that Andre couldn't. Cause Andre wasn't a great English speaker. Yeah. He yeah. could speak English, but because of his condition and because of his accent, he was kind of hard to, cipher sometimes
0: mm-hmm. yeah but I never
1: didn't want Andre to talk you got Bobby the brain he is one of the best talkers of all time oh, okay so it helped it it was a really good match mm-hmm. so anyways, Hulk writes out this plan to get into the ring like he Hulk tried to ask Andre before the show he's like did you see my plan like what do you think Andre just you know whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. figure out what we're gonna do
0: yeah we'll go on the fly.
1: Yeah. He gets in the ring. Andre goes with the entire plan.
0: That Hulk Hogan wrote out?
1: Yeah, but the only thing that he changed, I, I believe from, if I'm remembering this right, the only, only thing that Andre changed was he said, "slammy." Oh. Wow. I'm not going to do it an under the giant impression, but he goes like, he just like, yells at Hulk, slam me. Really? And is it caught on camera? Um... No, because the camera angle was like turned. So oh, they okay. together, and they were like focusing on Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair and enough. They,
1: like Hulk Hogan, like uh, the only the one person I trust for that information is the only guy in the ring with him.
0: Yeah. Exactly. He's not going <laughs> like to make
1: that. No you know, he says like, slam me.
0: Hundred mm-hmm. percent.
1: Slams him, leg drop finish, just like that. Nighty night. <laughs> yeah, the worst. One of the worst finishes of all time. 99. Literally.
0: Um, what do you think? is one of the greatest matches of all time. Like, for me, I kind of think that that Hell in a Cell with The Undertaker and Mick Foley.
1: Oh, that's yeah. way up
0: there. Way up
1: there. What I just realized, I forgot to tell you my favorite professional wrestler was. Oh, word. Uh, Chris Jericho.
0: Chris Jericho. Why?
1: Because Chris Jericho is the um, ultimate example of how to handle an aging wrestling career with grace. And he's not even that old. He's old by today's standards, but... Um, he once you know WWE released him. That could have been it. Could yeah, back all, his, you know, all his years and when I got nothing left, you know, I, I you know I, I got stuff left to give, but why give it? Yeah, I've I've you know accomplished everything I could possibly could in my career, and he decided to go no. But the one thing I'm going to geek out about Chris Jericho. I love my Canadian wrestlers. Um,
0: Was he from Calgary as well? No, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, okay. Um,
1: one thing about Chris Jericho is he's the king of reinventing himself. And when I said wrestlers need to have a character, yeah, it helps to have a character. They don't. No one needs to have it, Anything as long as you know, but it helps. Like, it brings you further along. It helps you along if you have a yeah. character. Um, he's <clears throat> the king of reinventing himself.
0: Yeah, because I always felt like he was always in different roles throughout his career.
1: Yeah, He was a good guy, he was a bad guy He was this character, he was this character Like, I mean, the evolution Of Chris Jericho is Insane Mm -hmm. And it's not just uh, Obviously, like, I love um, Like, the wrestler Like, because of his moveset And all that, and because uh, It's just the evolution There has never been a really Bad point In his career, really If you ask me Hmm. I know that sounds weird, but like you go through his career and like, he starts off as like this young, he's been wrestling since 1992. Wow. That's when he debuted. Wow. Well you start off with like Chris Jericho. You start; he's young. He enters, um, um, new Japan and he's the golden lion. Mm-hmm. So he's like golden lion, Chris Jericho. Then he goes to WCW and then he's, um, what was the name of that character? Um, the WCW Africa, like he had, like well, he, he had like a million. There was conspiracy victim Jericho, where he lost his WCW Cruiserweight title, and he walked around with a personal security member, and he carried a sign over his head that said "Conspiracy Victim," and he was. That's odd. Well, yeah, but like it was so, so damn good. <laughs> it
0: finished. because like he lost his title
1: totally fairly, but. He's so, like, in his character, his, this character, he's so egotistical that he, it's the only way he could lose could, could be a conspiracy. No oh, way
0: that, okay. I get, I get that. There's I no get way that Jericho can actually
1: lose. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no way. Like, yeah. absolutely no way. And that's like, there that we that Jericho is like, then he enters WWE, and he's raw as Jericho. And he's Y2J. And in WWE, is the list of Jericho. Mm. Uh, like I gotta just like he's had so many characters. Like he's my favorite wrestler, and I don't even know his characters.
0: Yeah, because he's had so many, and he's all done them. Just so these good.
1: switches on the fly, like it, it nothing, like nothing sticks. But like that's not bad because he's always changing himself, dependent on what someone needs or what rivalry he's in, or
0: to fit a story. You know.
1: Yeah, like, it. Like the list was great, and it was, like, one of the last things he did.
0: Hmm.
1: And the list of Jericho was just, he'd get out a list and write down people that annoy him, people and things that annoy him.
0: And he'd go out and seek revenge?
1: No, he just, like, that's it. You oh. <laughs> just go, you made the list. Boom, your name's down on the list. He doesn't talk to you, he doesn't like you. Huh. It'd be, like, the slightest things that would set him off, but, like, I gotta find his characters, because I know my... Personal favorite.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, here we go. Thank you. Finally, Wikipedia. No, um, it's like top ten voice. Um, I don't remember. I kind of remember this one. Dad jokes, Jericho. <laughs> Dad um,
0: jokes, Jericho.
1: you got like Codebreaker, Chris Jericho. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, In two thousand seven debuted the like the Codebreaker finisher.
0: That was and the. You-
1: Oh, this is the name. The WCW character got Lionheart Chris Jericho. Which one was that? That's WCW.
0: But what character was that? Like, what, how did he act during that one?
1: He was just in New Japan, and like WCW is just like the cruiserweight champion, and like Lionheart is when he was a bad guy, and he was oh. super, super cocky.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And then Delusional Heel Jericho, which
0: is the conspiracy victim Jericho. Oh, that's yeah. What was the Codebreaker one again? Because I remember that one. He,
1: because he's done, Chris Jericho's like, he's good at a lot of different things. He has a band that he's in.
0: Yeah. So he'd leave to go
1: tour and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. So he'd, sometimes he just returned with a new character. So when he returned in 2007, and I don't think, I think that was a wellness thing. Like I don't know what the, the situation was there. Mm-hmm. When he left, he came back. He was Codebreaker Jericho. And you finish it with a whole new kind of attitude. And Codebreaker Chris Jericho was just an answer to Y2J.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense. That's interesting.
1: Because he was Y2J Chris Jericho when he released. He came back in 2007. Now he's Codebreaker Chris Jericho.
0: Oh, okay.
1: The number six is my personal favorite, Painmaker Chris
0: Jericho. Which was?
1: That's after he gets released by WWE and he goes to New Japan and starts attacking New Japan's top talent.
0: Oh! So at the
1: time, he starts. Uh, he starts attacking Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, mm-hmm. uh, Kenny Omega was a big one that he feuded with. Two Canadians from the same place. Yeah, um, but like the Hiroshi Tanahashi match was huge. Like, so it's attacking all these guys, and he wears this crazy kind of cool makeup. Um, it mm-hmm. was really cool. It's like one of my two favorites. Then there's uh, the Silence, Chris Jericho. Slash copycat, where his whole thing was this during the codebreaker era, is where he just be he was so good that he wouldn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> out, That's
0: and awesome.
1: And if he said anything, he would just copy someone, like to copy what they were saying. Uh, was, uh, feuding with uh, CM Punk at the time.
0: Okay, makes sense.
1: He wouldn't say anything. Be, why would he need to say anything to you people? Oh, that's hilarious, actually.
0: That's a good That's a good little one. Um, yeah. And what then, do you like, think? Hold okay. on, man. Like, I don't okay, know go, I go for it. Go for it.
1: You got YTJ Chris Jericho, which is probably the most memorable Jericho of all time. That's when he debuts on Raw. Oh,
0: okay. The countdown
1: Millennium, where he interrupted The Rock. It was perfect. It was just like Y2J Chris Jericho was... Uh,
0: was his like perfect ultimate form?
1: Um oh, no, it's just how he debuted in the WWE and just how it how he debuted and how it was all set up was just really good. But he was like even though he was Y2J and it created the Y2J kind of character, it was during it was just a continuation of the Lionheart character.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: super uber cocky um character from WCW, but he dropped the delusional heel for the version of the Lionheart. Mm-hmm. So now he's like, it's. I'm telling you, like he's keeps reinventing himself over and over and over and over and over and over again.
0: How much is he wrestling now? A Lot. He's really? in AEW. Really?
1: Him and John Moxie were like two of the biggest, most vocalist guys for why they left.
0: What? What was the reasoning?
1: Chris Jericho just was tired of just how he was being treated. Mm-hmm.
0: So he went like he was underappreciated.
1: Japan. Yeah, just like John Moxie went exactly went to New Japan. As the as the pain maker, yeah, and then went to AEW. Hmm. But he he went to uh, AEW before John Moxley. Took John Moxley a little while to get his feet under him again. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, because he's to me the greatest wrestler on the planet, both um, physically and on the mic of all time.
0: Huh. No, I, yeah, I never viewed Chris Jericho as one of the greatest of all times, but like,
1: oh, see, so no. dude.
0: There's no but argument against it, though.
1: You got to get into Chris Jericho.
0: Really. I've always liked Chris Jericho. I always liked his character. You know, he, he was, was always like, an that that entertaining he wrestler to watch. Mm-hmm. He's like Walls of Jericho. It was a it stu- was a really good finisher.
1: He was a better finisher than that. What He used it in his lion tamer phase, and sometimes, sometimes, very rarely, will still do it. It's a version of the Walls of Jericho.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: called a lion tamer. And what it is, it's the walls of Jericho, but he lifts you up a little higher, and instead of sitting back, he puts his knee on the back of your neck and pulls back. Think like, at the back of your head. Oh, so you're on, your, you're on your chest instead of your stomach. Yeah, He's pulling back on your legs with his knee on like the back of your head.
0: I think I remember seeing him doing that before. Yeah.
1: He did it really early in his WWE career and like would sometimes sometimes break it out as like hey Remember when I used to do this kind of thing Mm -hmm. But yeah, so then we're almost done with the Jericho characters Then we got Le Champion, which is another one. I think second for me. Well uh, Ranking them is difficult, but it's one of my favorites Mm -hmm. Uh, Le Champion when he was AEW champion was fantastic it was like proving why Chris
0: Jericho was like still the goat. What was that character like?
1: Well, he was the first ever and longest reigning AEW champion of all time. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I've seen all of this. So once he wins the championship in this crazy, like weird, you, you know, he fights um, Hangman Adam Page. Meets Hangman Adam Page. Mm-hmm. He fights uh, Cody. Which is Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes was another big vocal guy from the WWE who left. Yeah, um, he you know, he left, and he was you know, beats Cody, and then he has a rematch with Kenny Omega, because hmm. it's just like the two guys that kind of withstand the tests from AEW to get to the championship. So, not only is that two of the best wrestlers on the planet uh, going at it it's them. It's a continuation of the rivalry from new Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause when Chris Jericho was the pain maker in new Japan. Kenny was still in new Japan. Mm-hmm. They went to AEW at the same time when it was formed. So you got the alpha, which is what Chris Jericho called himself versus Omega. Oh, okay. So you had alpha Omega Two, a continuation of the rivalry from new Japan brought into AEW.
0: Hmm. So it was oh, cool. Okay. That's cool. That's interesting. He
1: won the championship and then he was like super cocky again. Fair enough. Champion, so
0: fair uh, enough.
1: That's should he should be. Wrestles all the time still. And you know what? Like he slowed down because when he became le champion and he, when he became the pain maker, he had this weird thought in his head that he never had before. When he went through like wrestling history, he's like, these heels are like these bad guys are kind of out of shape.
0: Ooh.
1: So he. He, you know, he stayed physically fit, but he added a lot of weight. Yeah. So he slowed down. Now, I don't think because he's out of shape. Even though, like, I wouldn't even say he looks out of shape. Like he still looks good, but he's added so much weight, both good and bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's he's still got a lot of muscle to him, but like, you know, he's bigger in the stomach now. Like I don't know how to explain it. Like.
0: Yeah, he's a little more. He's not as ripped. No, he's not as skinny yeah he's not as jacked
1: no he's like he's more jacked now than he ever has been oh really but he's like hold on like
0: let me get a photo
1: yeah i'll send i'll send you a good like before and after but like the last two is the list of jericho jericho and then the best in the world chris jericho
0: Mm -hmm. okay
1: so you see like all these characters
0: oh does he have like really long hair no
1: um, yeah, like super long hair. Like, like like he, he has his hair like he used to when he was, like, uh, in young. BC. Okay. I don't
0: know what you, mean. you see what I mean? Like, he doesn't look... He's just got that stomach fat that kind of actually happens.
1: Yeah, like, he's put on a lot of weight, but I don't... He doesn't look bad when he wrestles. Like, he doesn't look fat.
0: No, yeah, he still has his...
1: But you can see, like he's a much bigger, like more intimidating-looking kind of guy now that he's added all this weight.
0: Oh, most definitely. Like, does he still do his like backflip? Uh, finish? Oh, yeah,
1: like, it doesn't even look like it affects him, even at that weight. Really? Oh, he's he's the lion's salt. He's still doing it.
0: That's insane because his body's not like he can handle that. Oh, dude, he makes it look easy. Really. Good for him.
1: Oh, honestly, like he's the, he will always finds a way to change with mm-hmm. whatever's going on.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's been, I mean, he's re- 1992, you said, right? Yeah, that's that's his debut. That's 30 years.
1: And then again, I guess when I look at Chris Jericho, like towards the latter half of his WWE career, like he really was kind of like turning into the jericho that he is now i guess like i look at him, like the only time he was really like stupid ripped was when he was in like when he was young on the come up yeah like on the come up and then like he reached this you know this point and he's like i'm gonna add a little bit more weight now like just i've been ripped for so long i want to be
0: you know i don't up worry up. about my abs all the time yeah it's yeah. like
1: I've, I've proved that i can be ripped and then like when he became a bad guy when he left WWE and he was like the list of Jericho and which was his final gimmick. And then gimmick is what is another word for personality. Yeah. Then he went to new Japan and became the Painmaker. like from the list of the Painmaker, he had a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it wasn't necessarily bad weight, but he wanted to be a bad guy. He thought he wanted to look more intimidating,
0: put a little more weight on
1: WWE. So he put a bunch of weight on, huh. but he can still go when he wants to.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got. I got to check up on him. I haven't watched a match. You, since
1: like... you just don't. You, you don't lose that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like a. It's like old wide receivers that can still catch the ball.
0: Yeah, Ocho Cinco and whatnot.
1: Yeah, like you don't lose that.
0: Mm-hmm. No. Ooh, you cut out again. Yo. <laughs> Right, you just want to call it?
1: Man, what the hell, how long have you been going?
0: Oh, two and a half hours now, probably. You think so? I think so. We okay. can always carry on a part two. Okay,
1: let me let me just finish up here.
0: Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Finish up with Jericho.
1: Um, yeah, like I said, like he's just a guy who's always molded to himself. Um, and the Painmaker is my personal favorite because I love bad guy Jericho more than a Lot of things, but also, um, watch New Japan Pro Wrestling,
0: yeah. Definitely, I want to watch that. Uh, the Kenny O'Brien one, whatever the fuck it's called,
1: Omega, yeah. Watch, Omega. watch, watch yeah. AW, it's, it's on TSN every
0: Wednesday at six. Oh, it's on TSN, even
1: well, because TNT and TSN, I guess, are like sister stations or something like that. I don't know how, eventually, how that eventually all worked out, but yeah, they're
0: on TSN. Uh, okay, makes sense. Um,
1: their cards are always really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it's the only person who isn't in the wrestling industry who's running that promotion is Tony Khan, and that's the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, um, he's the only guy who's, but he's got a real passion for pro wrestling. Like, just, I don't know, just give that stuff a shot. Like, it it got me
0: um, like super back into it again. No, I definitely will because my thing was I fell off with the whole WWE, you know.
1: And you know what? You're not you
0: the know, product's like, not the same.
1: Um honestly, and even though I don't want to give any, you know, pro, uh, good press to the enemy as it were, NXT is fantastic.
0: Okay, I definitely check that one out as well. NXT
1: now is 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 good, but they, they're c now WWE's calling up a lot of the NXT talent.
0: Mm-hmm. Trying to get yeah. the next big guy.
1: Well, I mean, they got them. Like, they got him. They're just not calling him up. But I think in some part, it's NXT going, like, we can't can't lose him. No, <laughs> no, he's a brand. He's like, yeah, like, we, we kind of built our stuff on him, and we don't know what he's going to do when he's done it. It takes a long time to develop to find these guys.
0: Yeah, no, for yeah, sure.
1: I looked through the list of guys on NXT and it was insane the amount of talent they have. Really? Well, Adam Cole, who, oh man, I got so much I could do. I could do like a whole New Japan episode.
0: <laughs> Part two with Emmett?
1: <laughs> Adam Cole, a New Japan guy, friends with a lot of the guys in AEW, he decided to go NXT.
0: Yeah, okay. He's
1: the NXT champion. I'm skipping guys that I don't really know as well. Um, Cameron Grimes is a guy from Pro Wrestling Grill in L.A., one of my favorite indie promotions. He was known as Trevor Lee then. He's got one of the coolest finishers going right now. It is mm-hmm. insane. Uh, Damien Priest is familiar. I think he – who was he before? Oh, Punishment Martinez. Yeah, Damien Martinez, formerly Punishment Martinez from Ring of Honor. He's really good. Okay. Um, Drake Maverick. British guy, fantastic. Dexter Loomis. really big British guy, really good. Phantasmus, really good. Finn Balor is, Jap- I mean, not Japanese. He's Irish, but Japanese legend. Um, Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, Keith Lee, insane for his size. Oh man, Kyle O'Reilly, Peter Pete Dunn, because like they have to split it into two too.
0: Mm-hmm. They got a, a UK version too. Oh shit! Where it's they got of a
1: British now. guys.
0: Oh fuck! Was,
1: like the UK is like big on it too. They've got a good history. Thatcher, Tomaso, Trump. Uh, yeah, the Velveteen Dream. Even though he's in a bit of a scandal right now.
0: What type of scandal?
1: Drugs um, or abuse. One of those things where he's saying his phone was hacked, and we don't Uh-oh. know if was hacked or not. Oh, one of
0: those. Gotcha.
1: It's not. It's a little ugly, but he's wrestling now. So clearly something got cleared up. That this yeah something got resolved. See something got resolved exactly. Yeah, where it's like it was like uh oh, I don't yeah. think we're gonna see Velveteen Dream and uh And then like now it's like okay, all he's back. He's wrestling. Clearly something got cleared or something. Yeah, everything's all G. But and then you look at let me look at oh my god dude look at AEW. it's like it's so the rosters are so good yeah adam page
0: so is it just the w ww just needs to start moving on with people
1: they need to get rid of some of the old heads
0: like say hey retire fuck face
1: the ones that the ones that shouldn't wrestle like Mm -hmm. they like every you know these guys know who they are
0: yeah yeah i know exactly you're talking about
1: like Cena barely wrestles anymore. You're, you're paying him so much money to do press pre, like press conferences at this point.
0: Yeah, is he even a championship? Like when's the last time he was champion?
1: Probably more recent than you think. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I I stopped watching after a while, so I couldn't tell you the most recent time I moved on. But probably more recent than you think. Damn. Yeah, like it's it's stunning how many times he's been.
0: Champion. He he is only forty-three though. I think with him though, it's just so overkill with him now. It, it, he's
1: very predictable.
0: Yeah, and it's his personality just isn't he needs to evolve it.
1: He needs to do something, man. Like but man, as I look at the uh, AEW, like they were not afraid to steal. <laughs> like they stole referees In the WWE. That really?
0: Were,
1: like, if you weren't happy with the WWE, you pretty much went to AEW or New Japan.
0: You were out of there, like fuck this nonsense. They,
1: they took, they took referees. Referees. Who, does that? who takes, it takes angry referees and goes, yeah, we got something going on over here. Especially okay.
0: the referees, man. As long as the paychecks are good, I feel like they're just like, oh, whatever.
1: Yeah, they took Earl Hebner. You remember Earl Hebner?
0: think name sounds super familiar.
1: Yeah, he was like the really big referee at the time when you were probably watching. Earl, like, like when you and I, he he like got into a couple fights with like Triple H at some points.
0: Oh yeah, that dude looks super familiar. Yeah, one years old.
1: Yeah, like he he's over there now. Like they think everybody, like they think the best of New Japan, the best of oh Robot he
0: was the Montreal screw screw job ref.
1: Well, but remember, like he didn't know either.
0: Oh, I guess well,
1: so. Yeah, like the non one of the non guilty parties, because like, it's he just
0: heard, the bell just rang.
1: Yeah, he the bell just rang and he went, you know, oh, I guess Shawn Michaels won.
0: Yeah, he's like, I guess it's over, shit. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, like the, the, he didn't know. Mm-hmm. He's completely innocent. Yeah, it's insane. We'll do a part two, and I'll I'll do more major band stuff.
0: You definitely, I'm in metaphor part two. I don't want to cut it short. Like I want to keep going, but I'm also like half asleep. now.
1: No, that's fine. I I told you this would happen.
0: I'm not complaining. That's why I was always like, like last week I was like, Oh, I want to do one. But it's like at the end of the day, I don't want to do half an hour, hour and a half in. And then just be like, Oh shit, dude, we got four more hours of talking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, This next time we'll come with like a list of names and a list of topics.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. Well, hopefully we can get the podcast open up back in the house that by then.
1: Oh yeah, most likely. I'll, I'll have like a list of stuff that I can talk about, and yeah.
0: I'm hoping to get it back going in like a week or two. Like these Zoom calls are easy and handy, but that end of the day it just doesn't make the same podcast. At the end of the day, my
1: internet's unreliable as we just learned.
0: Yeah, only is too. It's like when these podcasts though you do online, you learn to just kind of sit back and let the person talk though.
1: But if there's there's a few things people would take away at the end of this, if they even made it this far and don't watch it to begin with. Here's the big takeaways. for Just for me, I guess. Because this is what I want to lead into part two with. Okay. One, Chris Jericho's the greatest wrestler of all time. Okay. Two, WWE needs to fix their product. Yes. Three, I don't watch WWE. <laughs> Four... Um, AW and New Japan are my favorites.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: PWG used to be my favorite, even though we didn't talk about this, but it's good for next episode. Five yeah. used to be my favorite, but all the talent got st- stolen right out from under them. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of these guys that are in PWG are you know, it's guys that are developing once again, yeah. Hmm. And those last three points AW, New Japan, PWG um those are probably what i'm going to do because this this we've exhausted like wwe i've explained as much
0: as I can. like not as i can i could still go for hours uh, so i could probably extract a lot from you
1: <laughs> yeah like we're definitely we're nowhere near mm-hmm. yeah the apex but i'm like if we're going into part two we're going to go into we talked about why the wwe sucks stuff i like stuff out you know all this stuff and now we're going to talk about why i now we, we talk about why I don't like it, now it's like why I enjoy
0: the other stuff. Cool, cool, cool. We you know can I mean? do that. You
1: know what I mean? Like
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanna start learning more about pro wrestling. I'm down.
1: The stuff, you know, that I, I still love that the still respect the W love NXT, but now it's like why do I prefer, you know, reasons I prefer New Japan, people from New Japan, people from AEW, people from PWG, and how it all combines mm. with one weird
0: yeah. wrestling ball. Yeah, no. I agree. Okay, I want to ask one question, and you're allowed three words to answer it. Okay, and then we're done with this. Greatest tag team duo of all time.
1: I'm going to make a lot of people mad. <laughs> I think. Do you say. The young bucks.
0: I don't know who they are. <laughs> we'll
1: get into them, episode two. Don't worry.
0: I, I'll write it down. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just real quick. So I said the young bucks. That's yeah. because I'm young, new. I'm a guy who believes in the new school.
0: Oh, so are they new ones?
1: Yeah, they're new school.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, it's two brothers, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson. Yeah um they're almost uh, oh they're almost identical in height and weight
0: Mm -hmm.
1: almost identical in look huge in new japan huge in ring of honor huge in pro wrestling gorilla pwg uh best friends with kenny omega um i'll get into them big into even tna for a while so okay weird um on uh, the independent circuit, they have won numerous titles as well, including four reigns as PWG World Tag Champions as well, has been the only team to win PWG's annual Dynamite Denverite Tag Team Title Tournament on three occasions. Huh. Um, let me just see how I'm in the mattress. I'm just trying to find. They have held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion, a Championship a record seven times. Uh, three Reigns as Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. Three Reigns as uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships. Mm-hmm. That litany of different guys. Two Reigns as Ring of Honor World Tag Champions and IWGP Tag Team Champions and AAA World Tag Team Champions. Hmm. So pretty much every major indie promotion outside of the WWE, they've held Tag Team Championships. And, and how old are they? They are 30 and
0: 35. Oh, so they're relatively young then? Barely. Damn.
1: I mean, they're, I mean, they're by no means like young, but they still got, they can wrestle for as long yeah, as they Yeah,
0: especially if the wrestlers wrestle until like 50, 60. Or whatever well, it is. Jericho's 52 or 50. Jericho's 50, I think. Yeah, something like that.
1: And like, he's not even the oldest guy doing it, and he's still doing it. You know, pretty. Even though he's like I say, he has slowed down naturally, but he's definitely not. He's forty nine. Excuse me.
0: Yeah, for for his age, he's doing pretty good.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. like a guy forty nine shouldn't be able to do a backflip off, you know, the ring ropes onto another human being.
0: Dude, I can't even do that. I'm fucking twenty two. <laughs> it's funny when you hear him do it now because
1: <laughs> when he was younger, he never used to yell <laughs> when he did his moves. Yeah. But now he goes off the ropes. He goes, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> taking a little bit more than it used to.
0: He's a little bit of like a tennis oomph to it. Oh yeah,
1: he's really bouncing off the ropes now. Oh, he <laughs> He's using a lot of his energy, uh, but he's still making it look easy. So I'll give him credit.
0: As long as he's getting paid too, man.
1: Oh, I I think he's getting paid handsomely. He's oh, got yeah. like four kids, so he's got a lot.
0: Got a lot too. Anyways, man, let's end this shit before we go on for another hour. <laughs> yeah,
1: agreed, agreed, agreed. But we, gotta, we, gotta, we, gotta, we got a much more interesting part, too, I think. I think this was the sorting it out episode on my behalf.
0: Yeah, no, we'll get there, man. At the end of the day, it's always nice to sit down and talk with you.
1: You can't let me rant so much, man.
0: I love it. You make it my job so easy, I just ask a question every 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can't, man. People are gonna like message me, like, dude, like I'm gonna get bullied in the football locker room for this.
0: Good, I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> you set me up for this. Yeah, exactly. Is this this is my gone away present for you. Yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Thanks. I forgot Brosh to mention him. because I wanted to say it uh, at the beginning, and I totally lost track because you said "Let's talk Rosling," and you got me excited. But uh, congratulations,
0: too. Oh, thanks, my dude
1: yeah well i have to we'll say it at some point because i know i told you like as soon as it happened like as soon as you announced it yeah but i didn't get to do it in person yet person in court
0: don't even worry about it man but yeah no, know it's, still, fucking, when it's exciting you
1: make, real quick real quick like before we officially end, like when are you moving out
0: see well the biggest thing is i don't know if the season's happening or not right yeah i totally like that's
1: weird that i didn't put two and two together
0: Right, and I don't know if the CGFL is happening either as well, too. Like, has there been any announcement that you guys are? Nothing, eh? Same I
1: mean, we're still kind of in this weird limbo. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're pretty much at the mercy of the CGFL and, the you know, the governments of whoever, you know, that's
0: in yeah, the Exactly. See, I don't, so, I don't know. I think what if there's no season, I'm probably just going to go to school and then everything's online. So, I'm just going to stay in Edmonton for the next year probably or at least – Oh,
1: Okay. Maybe. That makes sense. So you're taking SMU classes in Edmonton.
0: Yeah, right? if it's just all online, there's no football season. There's no point in me going out there, you know. For like half a season? Or even just like a, a semester where I'm not even like playing football. And just to be mm-hmm. online classes, you know, like to try and meet people during that, it's going to be a bitch.
1: Are you actually
0: 6'2"? <laughs> Tinder says I'm 6'2". <laughs> so
1: they got you listed at.
0: I'm just under like six one and change.
1: Oh, you gave yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. You gotta boost
0: like, it, man. You gotta boost it. Even if it's I like, told oh,
1: them gosh, I was I told them I was five ten. I'm always lying. I'm big lying about that. Five six. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't group me in that Colton Jordan.
0: No shit. All right. I'm a happy five nine. I'm not a happy me. five nine. Anyways, man. Thanks for coming on. It was always the blast like always. We got
1: we'll, we'll get a part two flying here.
0: For sure, man. Let's put, hook one up in the next few weeks or so.
1: Yeah, just let me know.
0: For sure, dude. Hey, dude. Adios. Peace. Peace. Peace.